episode of the Mid American Bandwagon epi- uh, podcast. We we got our episode seventeen this week. I'm Sam Thoman, joined as always by Zach Foley. Zach, how are you doing on this fine day? I'm doing good, man. It's almost November. Uh, Mac football is right around the corner. We're less than a week away now, so I'm I'm pretty pumped. It's uh, it's an exciting time of the year for sure. I know, I know you have to be a little bit sad after last Saturday's performance of your Penn State <laughs> Nittany Lions against IU. Like, yeah, take, take me through your reactions of uh, last Saturday's game. Man, I tell you what, it was a rough performance. The, our offense came out the first drive and looked awesome. They went right down the field and scored a touchdown. But then after that, it was just a struggle all game. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people – we're upset about the call on the two-point conversion in overtime. It was such a close call, uh, but honestly, to even have gotten to that point, Penn State didn't deserve to win that game. Penn State, we didn't play well at all. We missed a chip shot field goal at the end of the first half. You have the ball with a minute 45 left in the lead, and Indiana only had one timeout. We could have ran out the clock right there, and the game would have been over. Instead, we scored a quick touchdown, and then Indiana scored and tied it up on the two-point conversion. So, Penn State didn't deserve to win. Whether or not the what you think about that two-point conversion call in overtime, it was too close to overturn whatever they called on the field. So it is what it is. Rough way to start the year. Now we get to play Ohio State this week, which is going to be fun too. So, um, yeah, rough start to the season. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, before we move on to our regular schedule Mac programming, I know my dad, who is an IU alum, is probably extremely happy. <laughs> and I can guarantee for the next decade, IU fans are going to be holding this over your guys' head oh, every single it. week. Yeah, we deserve it. We deserve it, too. I know it's a big win. Only the second time Indiana has ever beaten Penn State, which is a crazy stat. But, uh, yeah, oh, wow. they, got a, they got a big win. And now they're what? I know they're ranked now after that. They're like, what, 18 or 17, something like that? Uh, yeah, Penn State's 18, IU 17, 17 so right, yeah. yeah. So, but anyway, moving on from that Big Ten talk real fast, we're, we're going to jump into the straight action. As everybody knows, it's right around the corner. It's been a lot of months in the making, whether we were going to play or not, but it's finally here. Next Wednesday is the start of Maction football. Whether you like it or not, it's here, and we're here to report on it. And, and before we even do that, We've just got some general news um, to break down. We've got a couple of preseason polls. Zach, you want to take it away? Yeah, so uh, just here over the last 24 hours, the uh, coaches preseason poll and the media preseason poll were both released. So uh, the coaches poll came out uh, yesterday on Wednesday. Uh, we're recording Thursday evening here. And uh, the, the coaches picked – uh, Miami in the East Division and Toledo in the Western Division. So they're picking Miami versus Toledo at Ford Field in December. And uh, in the East, they the to go one through six, they went with uh, Miami one, Buffalo two, Ohio three, Kent State four, Bowling Green five, Akron six. And then in the West, they went Toledo one, Western Michigan two, Central Michigan three, Ball State four, Eastern Michigan five, Northern Illinois six. Uh, Sam, I got to be honest with you. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised with some of these, uh, the results here. Really surprised that they picked Miami uh, to win the Eastern Division over Buffalo. I think Buffalo just top to bottom has a lot more, maybe not a lot more, but I think they have more talent than Miami. And then in the West, um, they're putting a lot of faith in Toledo to have a bounce back year uh, after only going six and six last season. Yeah, and I, I noticed a common uh, kind of trend with these polls. 
there's, uh, I believe, there's uh, the coaches poll and media poll, and yeah. and I've seen other journalists put out their preseason prediction. It just seems like the East is fairly consistent on how they shake out. It's either Miami one, Buffalo one, or uh, and then the others second. Obviously, like you look mm-hmm. at it on the coaches and media poll, you've got Ohio at three on both, Kent State at four on both. You've got Bowling Green at five and Akron on six at both. But what's interesting is no one can really agree on the Western division. When just mm-hmm. looking at the West, uh, the coaches and uh, media pool, looking at the coaches first, Toledo won. In the in the media pool, you have Central Michigan won. In, in the coaches pool, you have Western Michigan two. In the media pool, you have Western Michigan four. In the um, – Coaches pool, you have Central Michigan third. As I mentioned, Central Michigan's first in the media pool. You've got fourth Ball State in the coaches. Ball State's third in the, the media. So it just seems like no one can agree on the West this season. It's fairly consistent across the board with the East, but I think that's what is is kind of most interesting about this year. Yeah, I think that's exactly right, Sam. And I think with the West division especially, I mean, the, the parity there is crazy. I think – I mean, Toledo, Western Michigan, Central Michigan, Ball State, all four of those teams, you know, they get a couple good breaks and and uh, all I think any four of those teams could win this division and go to a forward field. So, um, yeah, the, the West division especially is going to be really interesting. I think the East is too. I think Ohio and Kent State could surprise some people. And uh, I certainly think Miami and Buffalo are the top two teams in that division. But Ohio and Kent State, I, I wouldn't sleep on them either. So, there's a lot of good teams in the MAC this year, man. It's going to be a fun six weeks watching this unfold. And and Zach, this brought me to a point before we move on to some actual basketball news. Like, why why do these polls matter exactly? Because at the end of the day, we we see preseason top twenty fives across the board, whatever sport it is. Besides bulletin board material, what exactly does the preseason polls provide? Because I see in one. One of them, I think it's the coaches poll. Akron has a first place vote. No one's, yeah. no one outside of probably Tom Arthur is picking Akron to go first. <laughs> so at the end of the day, what, what do, what do these preseason polls even matter? I mean, I think the short answer is really that they really don't. If we're being honest, I don't think they mean much at all. I think it's cool. Um, I, I especially like looking at the coaches polls, like, you know, in situations like these to see how the coaches vote on the order of finish. It's interesting to me to see how the coaches of uh, the, the, you know, the programs in the league view the other programs. Um, but you're right. I mean, they don't mean anything. They're purely symbolic. You know, you're, you're absolutely right. Tom Arth was definitely that one person that voted for Akron. I wouldn't blame him. I'm sure probably Mike knew was the one person that voted for ball state too, especially when he came out in the, you know, the media conference today was talking about, you know, Detroit or bus and how that's their mantra this year. So I'm sure that was them. And I don't think, you know, again, I don't think they necessarily mean anything. It's not as if this matters uh, anything and you know, how they're going to decide the games. But I think it's, it's interesting for me at least to see how the coaches uh, of each team, you know, view the teams that they're going to be competing against. I do think the one wish I have is for them to release the ballots of each voter. I think I agree. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, we've seen in the past, I think it was the award um, like voting for the NBA. We saw who voted MVP, their first, second, third place votes and people got like called out for it. And I think that that's what should be done because at the end of the day, 
why are we trusting these people to vote on stuff that matters if they if the general consensus doesn't agree with them if that makes sense yeah no i i agree i agree with that 100 i don't think i don't put much stock in the media poll at all for sure um but i i do enjoy looking at the coaches poll just to, just to kind of see what they think yeah yeah and moving on to uh, actually basketball news, which is also pretty getting closer to closer to starting actual games. Uh, Zach, we've actually got some pre we've got the preseason basketball prediction news. Yeah. I break uh, that down. Yeah. So uh, Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook uh, released their um, their Mac uh, predictions as far as standings and, you know, all conference team and all that type of stuff. So um, they just obviously, as you guys know, um, or you may or may not know, no divisions in basketball in the MAC. They just rank them one through twelve. Um, or actually, no, is that right? Or are there divisions? There's divisions in the MAC in basketball, right? Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, there say, are. They, I I think I could be wrong, but I I swore I could have read something. I could be completely off that they're getting rid of the divisions for this year. I could be completely okay. off on that. In, I, I haven't done any research, but that's like, I, I remember hearing something about Interesting, that. because here on the blue ribbon, they just rank them one through 12. They don't have divisions, but they have um, Bowling Green at one. Uh, so obviously, you know, Justin Turner, who initially entered the transfer portal uh, this off season, but he opted to, to come back to Bowling Green. He's back. Um, he's, he's actually uh, one of the, the for all conference uh, first team, all conference players they have listed here. But anyway, Bowling Green at one, Akron at two, Ball State at three, Sam, and then uh, Toledo rounding out the top four. Then going uh, Ohio, Kent State, Buffalo, Northern Illinois at eight, uh, Miami at nine, Eastern Michigan at 10, Central Michigan at 11, Western Michigan at 12. Uh, looks like it might be a long year for the directional Michigans in basketball this year. Um, so, but again, yeah, Bowling Green, they have at the top of the conference with Akron second, Ball State third. All, all conference team here. Uh, some some good names here, some good selections. Javon Graves from Buffalo, uh, Lauren Christian Jackson from Akron, uh, Marion Jackson from Toledo, Jason Preston from Ohio, Justin Turner from Bowling Green. All five guards there on the all-conference team there, Sam. No, no big men there. Player of the year preseason, Lauren Christian Jackson from Akron. Newcomer of the year, Mike Nuga from uh, Kent State. So uh, keep an eye out for him. But yeah, like you said, Sam, uh, we're a uh, little under, uh, I guess, what, four weeks from basketball. I think four weeks from today is, is Thanksgiving. So we're a little bit less than that from the start of college basketball season. It's pretty crazy. It's right around the corner. Yeah. And on that note, I this is Wikipedia, so you can believe it or not. But it says, additionally, the MAC will eliminate its basketball divisions and increase its conference schedule from 18 to 20 games. These changes will, will remain in place throughout at least the 2023-2024 season. Oh, cool. Interesting. But back on the forecast, I think I'm a little surprised that Buffalo is ranked so low as they are. I understand yeah. they had a, they had a disappointing end to last season, that 5-12 to 12 upset that they ended in the first round of the MAC tournament before it all got shut down. But I still, I'm still a big believer in this Buffalo team. I, th I think they could potentially be a top four team this come this season. I like where they put Ball State. I don't think we're better than Bowling Green, Akron, who returned most uh, most of their superstar players, including Bowling Green. I, I, like, I like the respect they're putting on our name. I'm not so much of a fan that they didn't put Ish on the all-conference team, but, hey, maybe that's just, that's just my little bias. I think he's a lot better than these um, – a couple of these names on the list, but – that's just that's just my opinion. 
No, I hear you. I think a lot of people would agree with you. And I, I even saw, I saw he reacted to that on Twitter. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people would, would agree that he, he deserves consideration on, on the first team all conference here. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think when I look at the, the rosters, uh, you know, just from a talent perspective, I do think Bowling Green is, yeah, has the best talent returning, especially now with Justin Turner coming back. But, you know, Akron and Ball State have some, some great athletes, uh, some great players as well. So it's going to be an interesting battle at the top of the conference this year. It's been quite a while since Ball State's been to the NCAA tournament. And it'll be see, interesting to see if, uh, if they have the talent to maybe get over the hump this year. No doubt. And, and on that note, we're going to switch over to cross country. It's just a short little news segment if you want to just uh, uh, touch on it. Yeah, it was uh, just um, so similar to how uh, last week we talked about the MAC announcing the operational plans for, um, you know, it was uh, volleyball and, and soccer and a couple other sports for the spring. Well, they, they pretty much just announced that they are going to have a, a men's and women's cross country um, championship meet uh, this fall in, in November uh, on Saturday, November 21st. They haven't determined the host yet, but obviously one of the member schools will, will get to host that championship and uh, they're going to determine that here within the next couple of weeks as November 21st approaches. Um, but yeah, so they, they really, the only news there was the date. They picked the date, which is going to be Saturday, November 21st. That hadn't previously been announced. Uh, and so it's good for the, uh, the cross country athletes are going to get a chance to, to have a championship uh, this fall after all. No doubt. And we were talking off air how it's just funny that they titled it Mac announces operational plan for men's and women's cross country. And yet when you, go into it it's basically just announcing the date of the cross country championship so how is that 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 is a a summary of a plan but i wouldn't yeah. necessarily call that a plan by any means on the season yeah you're right i think the only other thing it says here is like it includes recommendations uh with mitigating health and safety concerns related yeah I guess but, right. but that it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't detail say, anything right. it doesn't you're right it doesn't really say much hey Whatever they gave us a date, I guess that's, I guess that's enough, and I'm sure they'll give us the the location here in the next week or two weeks, probably. In some more legal news, we got Miami University players get into a bit of trouble. If you want to touch on that, Zach. Yeah, this is an interesting, uh, interesting timing here. Some news coming out of Oxford. Um, so I guess so. The the fight actually happened a couple of weeks ago, but back on October third, um, three. Uh, my, Miami University football players um, were involved in an off-campus fight at a, at a frat in Miami. Um, there are multiple people from it that went to the hospital. And um, again, this happened on October 3rd. And um, there's uh, three football players that, that were, uh, were charged in the aftermath. Um, none of them are, you know, they don't look like they're going to be starters or anything. Um, but they, uh, yeah, three of them were charged. The fourth individual is not affiliated with Miami. Um, all three of the football players were suspended from team activities immediately, and they're going to remain suspended until this obviously all um, gets resolved. So um, again, nobody, nobody that was going to be like starting or seeing significant playing time here, but still a little bit of a, a distraction for the Red Hawks um, as uh, week one approaches here. And, and you know what frustrates me about this, Zach, is the fact that I think Ball State, I don't know the policies on Miami University and Basically, we aren't allowed to have parties. And if you are caught partying, there's going to be severe repercussions. And I, they, they said they're suspending and they're going to investigate whatever. I hope there's severe consequences 
for their actions because not only were they involved in a part uh, fight which could have severely harmed somebody, but they were probably partying at that frat house. So to kind of when you're trying to enforce COVID and you're trying to keep everybody safe and you're trying to say like, hey, we need we need to step up as a team. We need to take ownership and we need to do the right thing here. And you have three of your own players go and do stupid crap like that. Like they need to be set. They need to be made an example of if you do this, you will be punished. And I and I just hope that Miami University takes the right steps to just just punish them essentially. Yeah, I hear you. It certainly makes it seem like there's, you know, they weren't they weren't taking things seriously in terms of, um, you know, the COVID protocols and stuff like that, which is certainly, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit discouraging, especially, you know, you look on, uh, you know, around the country here, Wisconsin, Nebraska, this weekend just got canceled because uh, Wisconsin had a COVID outbreak. And, uh, you know, you'd like to think that the MAC teams are going to take this seriously and be able to get through the six game season. Uh, but if, you know, if things like that are going to continue to happen, that's going to make it a lot harder. No doubt. But moving on from that, moving on to some kind of lighter news, we're going to actually do our two uh, Twitter questions. One's a little bit more lengthy than the other, but they're relatively short. So if you want to run through that as well, Zach. Yeah, sure. So um, our first Twitter question this week, um, just asking you guys, which uh, week one Mac matchup you were most looking forward to? Um, our guy, the K-Hod, he responded and said Ohio versus Central Michigan and Toledo versus Bowling Green because i got to get my scouting reports in for Western Michigan. Surprised he didn't say Western Michigan Akron, honestly. But, yeah. But I know I hear him, though. Those are, those are both games I think I'm looking forward to as well. I think Ohio Central Michigan has a chance to be the best game just competitive-wise um, of, of the night. And then Toledo Bowling Green, that's such a great rivalry. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm also really looking forward to seeing how Bowling Green looks uh, with a new quarterback and, you know, year two under Scott Luffler. Um Fellow Hustle Belt contributor Dave Drury said, um, NIU versus Buffalo, does, no surprise there. He said, got to see what Coach Hammock has in store for the Huskies in year two. Um, Sam, I don't know about you. We talked about this a little bit last night when we were on with our, our buddies over at the College Sports uh, Connection podcast. But um, unfortunately for Dave and some of the Huskies fans, I, I, I don't know how good of a shot they have against Buffalo on Wednesday night. Yeah, but at the end of the day, like this, I think this is a, I think week one is a great tone setter for the rest of the year. And if NIU yeah. could even, let's say, pull in within a touchdown of Buffalo at the end, I think that would be a really great sign for the program. Not even for this year, because as we talked about at, on our appearance on College Sports Connection, they're so young. They're so, yeah. I, I think you said what, like 30 of the players were freshmen. Oh no! Like it's like sixty-two of ninety-three. Okay, that's even. Yep, sixty-two. Yeah. So like, yeah. if, if you can keep this game close against a, I I think people have them as a powerhouse in the MAC this season. I think that would bode well for your pro your program, not only for this season, giving your players confidence to buy into what you have, but also moving forward into the future years. Yeah, no doubt at all. No doubt there. And then um, in our last response there, uh, Don Cornelius, he had responded and said Buffalo versus NIU, definitely. And I believe Don's a, a Buffalo fan there. So, um, yeah, I know, I know a lot of people looking forward to that game. Uh, a lot of people want to see what, uh, what Jared Patterson and Kevin Marks and the Bulls are going to look like this year. And then in our, our last response to this, um, friend of the show, Ian McGarvey, former Ball State kick, kicker, uh, he just said, come on now. So, 
I'm assuming that uh, just like you, Sam, he's looking forward to seeing the Cardinals down in Oxford next Wednesday. Oh, no doubt. I mean, how can you not? I think I think that potentially has the makings to be the best game of the week. So I'm excited for that. Not just for that, but I'm disappointed. I'm not going to be able to watch uh, the other game. I believe it's what Ohio and Central Michigan at the same time. I'm going to be primarily focused on my Cardinals, unfortunately. And then I'll be I'll be missing most of the. I believe this it would be the the second half of the 6 p.m. games and then like the first half of the 8 p.m. games. I would assume, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's the only thing I'm disappointed for. But yeah, I'm I'm excited for some Ball State Miami Ohio football. Yeah, for sure. Definitely going to be one of those nights where I'm going to have to figure out a way. I'm going to have to have a game on the TV, a game on my laptop, see if I can get the iPad working, mm-hmm. figure out how to way, way to get multiple games going, you know? No doubt. So uh, anyway, for our second Twitter question this week, um, we're just asking for your guys' thoughts and opinions on the uh, the preseason polls that had been released over the last few days. Uh, we were talking specifically when the, uh, the coaches poll got released yesterday. Uh, our guy, Reese Timbrook, uh, we know he's a Bowling Green through and through. He said, it's set up nicely for Toledo fans to be disappointed. So that's good. <laughs> I really respect uh, Reese's dedication to the rivalry there. Yeah, so Toledo uh, did um, end up getting picked to win the West. Now they've been picked, I, I believe, so I saw this earlier on Twitter. I think it was either four or five times in the last decade Toledo has been picked to win the West and they haven't won the West any of those years. So we'll see if that trend continues this season. And then Zach Eaton uh, responded and said, my thoughts are that the Mac should stop wasting our time with polls where the voters don't even take it seriously. That's interesting. I could see why he would think some people didn't take it seriously, like when you have Akron with a first place vote. Um I don't know. I, I get I get what he's saying. Like we were talking about earlier, Sam. It's not like they actually mean anything, but it is cool to see what the coaches think. Yeah, not only that, like I I, th- I think it would help to see like who picked what and where. Yeah. Just to just to see what their minds at. Like I think I think it would be a big like big deal. Like let's say Toledo and like adds the rivalry if the Toledo coach Jason Candle put like bg as last i think that would feel the rivalry even more i think it would add a lot of a lot of just kind of heatedness in the battle like let's say you're ball state and you're playing central michigan and then jim mcelwain had you like fifth of six like are you telling me mike new and those players aren't gonna be hyped up like to to show you you're better than that like for sure yeah i agree i agree man it would be cool to see if the coaches would release their their ballots but it is what it is. Either way, it gives us something to talk about until the game start. No doubt. And as we wrap up segment one with our news and Twitter questions, is there anything final you want to add, Zach? No, I think we covered it at all. Um, I'm excited. I'm sure over the next couple of weeks we'll have some more uh, more news about, you know, preseason basketball stuff as, as that uh, season gets a little bit closer. But I think uh, for tonight we covered it. Yeah, no doubt. And and if you're curious, the the Mac did have the their uh, West division coaches do their press conference. So I think if you check the official Twitter, they should have them all released there. So you can yeah. see kind of, I believe in 10 minutes, what the coaches are expecting coming into week one. I know the, I believe it was the Toledo coach, Jason Candle talked about the rivalry with BG a little bit. So if you, if you guys are interested, you can check that out as well. But yeah, I think that's going to wrap it up for this segment. Uh, yeah, I am. We're going to move on to our Mac West preview now. Yeah, really looking forward to it. So if you guys remember from last week, 
obviously Sam and I, we did our, our East division preview. Um, this week we're going to do the same thing. We're going to give you each, uh, going to give you a team that we think could, could have a breakout year, a team that we think might disappoint, kind of give you a breakdown on how we see the standings, uh, shaking out. Um, and we'll go from there. So Sam, why don't we start off with, uh, with our breakout teams for this year? Um, I know, I think me and you are going to agree on this one, but why, why don't you go ahead and kick this one off? Who, who do you see kind of having, uh, you know, exceeding expectations this season? I actually switched it up last minute, and I think my predictive records has much to do with it. Because originally, I'll, I'll spoil a little bit for people who, who uh, Zach hasn't mentioned it, but he picked Ball State. And I was originally going to go with Ball State. But looking at my record, I have Ball State only going 3-3. Three and three. And is that really breaking out? I don't think so in my mind. And coming off a season which uh, they disappointed, I think Toledo's primed to break out, and that's why I have them 5-1. and one. I know they're the powerhouse. I know people expect them to just, like, kind of flop under expectations. I don't know what it is. I think I'm just going to be a part of the minority. I'm going to roll with Toledo. I think Ball State, I they have everything working for them. I just don't know what it is that I just can't solely bind to the fact that they can break out the season. Now, I, I've seen several journalists have uh, Ball State like the uh, at the top of the Mac West, but I just don't know what it is. Like I was watching that 10 minute press conference with Mike New. And as much as I want to be like, yes, we've got so many returning starters. We've got our, our interception leaders back. We've got our, uh, we've got a transfer from Sacred Heart. We've got a beast uh, linebacker, Clayton Criscoll, replacing Jacob White in that uh, linebacker. Like, it's just something about it just doesn't fit right to me. I'm going to roll with uh, uh, Toledo this season to just really – just to do what their expectations are set for them to do rather than just underperform like any other year. Yeah, I hear you. I, I almost went with Toledo here as well. But the more I think about this, Sam, I know I think I'm a little bit more optimistic than you are when it comes to Ball State. I, I am going to go with the Cardinals here. I, I really do think that all of the returning talent that they have and all the continuity on the roster from last year that's coming back, I really feel like the Cardinals are set up well uh, to have success this year. I mean, everything that made them great on offense last year is back this year. You got Plitt under center. You got Caleb Huntley in the back uh, backfield. You got um, Justin Hall and Johannes Tyler on the outside catching passes. They're going to have one of the best offenses in the conference again. I think their defense will be improved this year with some, you know, another year of experience and so many returning starters coming back. I think Ball State. I could see them winning the division and, and going to, to Ford Field. Um, I think they're, you know, the, they, they have the talent to, to match up with anyone in the West division. It's just going to be a matter of if they can put it together and be consistent. No doubt. And I felt like last year could have been the perfect year to do that, but they just didn't get it done. So that just like, yeah. that just hurts my confidence even more for them. I would love it. I would love to see them break out this year, but I don't know. It should, yeah. I, I just don't see it in the cards, uh, pun intended there, uh, for him this season. <laughs> no, I, I hear you, man. I, I do. And uh, I, I can understand why, as a Ball State fan, you'd be frustrated after some of the close losses from last year and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I certainly get that. What about – so let's move on to our team that we feel like might let down a little bit this year. Is there any team you, in the division you feel like might uh, disappoint folks? You know who I'm going with, Zach. It's, it's my <laughs> classic. I got to go back to him. I, I've said it again. Eastern Michigan doesn't perform well 
win in the division. They just don't. Besides 2018 when they were second, they just haven't been top three for the past like five, six, seven years. So when I look at their their schedule, they're playing across the board all their Mac West uh, teams who they struggle against, and their one non uh, their one crossover division game week one. So when I look at it, I think it's set up for Eastern Michigan to to potentially fail. And when you look at the strength of the Mac West, it doesn't get much easier. Maybe if they were playing in the uh, Mac East. They would have a better shot, but considering it's the Mac West, how tough it is, like how everybody just doesn't know who's truly going to be number one. It's all over the board. I think that just hurts them in the long run. I'm not the biggest fan of Chris Creighton, as you know. He's tremendous at beating non-conference opponents, but when it comes down to it, this season is focused solely on the conference. I hear you, man. And I think, yeah, I think it's going to be a long year for Eastern Michigan. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, I think I, I probably think that for some different reasons. I just think that, you know, losing Mike Glass on offensive quarterback, he's tough to replace. They lost all three. Uh, they lost three all-conference um, starters from the uh, defensive backfield last year, two corners and a safety that were um, all-conference. So, you know, it's not easy to replace those things. So I, I do agree with you that it can be a long year for – uh, the Eagles and Ypsilanti this year. However, for me here, I'm, I'm going with Northern Illinois. Um, I think a lot of Northern Illinois fans are hoping and expecting for a bounce back year after um, they only went five and seven last year. This is a program that's accustomed to going to bowl games uh, and competing for the conference championship. And it's, it's been a few years since they've done that now. Uh, but I just think in year two for, for coach Thomas Hammock out in DeKalb, um, they're, they're really, it seems like they're, they're, kind of planning for a long rebuild here. You know, you have Ross Bowers back as a senior quarterback um, and he's, a you know, transfer from California. He's, he's a good athlete and a good player, um, but that's about the only bright spot they have here. Um, there's depth issues on the O-line. Um, nobody really stands out that it's great at the wide receiver position. And then, you know, Jordan Nettles, the starting running back, who uh, is not listed on the roster right now. That's who everyone thought was going to start this year. And then another thing that, you know, we talked about a couple minutes ago, Sam, and that I brought up when we were talking to our, our friends over in the College Sports Connection podcast last night. Um, this is a team I that is, I mean, that's one of the youngest teams I can re ever remember seeing in college football. There's 93 players on the roster and 62 of them are freshmen. I mean, that's absurd to me. I, that To the point, it's like I almost, it's like I almost don't even believe it, but you will get up and it, it sure is true. So, I just think it's going to be a long season for uh, Northern Illinois this year. Unfortunately, I, I could see them potentially going 0 6. No doubt. And sorry to change the subject, but I recently got some news that Ball State has scheduled their first meet for this Friday cross country. Going back to what we said earlier, okay. they're in a three team meet with, I believe, let me, let me find this up. Miami will host Miami and Ohio, not Miami of Ohio, Miami University, and then Ohio University at 3.30. I believe that's the women's. And then the men's team will host the men of the Miami and Ohio team. So there's that sort of cross-country news for you guys that are cross-country fans. But, yeah, uh, sorry for that. I just got the notification on my phone. No, that's cool. It's good stuff, man. Breaking yeah, no news doubt. And, on the but, back bandwagon podcast. Yeah. But back to what you were saying about Northern Illinois, I agree with you. Experience is going to play a big role. You you don't – I've heard this phrase, you don't have preseason games to essentially fall back on. Like, you don't consider those 12 games preseason games 
but those first one or two preseason games are all about feeling out your team, what it's all about, just just putting your team together, and you don't really have that option available to you. And when you got such inexperience on your line, you mentioned the 60-plus uh, freshmen out of the 90 roster. Like, that's all, That's like more than two-thirds of your roster yeah. is freshmen. Like, that's yeah. going to hurt you. You you don't get any favors playing against Buffalo to start out with. So, yeah, I, I hope it's a confidence booster for this NIU team. I'm waiting for Thomas Hammock to turn this program around and, and prove me and other people wrong. But until I see it happen, I, th- I think it's going to be a struggle. I agree with you this season. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I think it could be a long year in DeKalb, but hey, it's a it's a developmental year anyway. No one's losing a year of eligibility or anything like that. So you can use it as a kind of a building year and see how it can, uh, you know, propel them into the future. Um, so we got through that. So, Sam, let's maybe now maybe want to break down how we see the divisions uh, shaking out. So why don't you walk us through how you see the division standings going and, you know, the teams you see and what, you know, what record you think they're going to end up with? Um, yeah, I'm actually going to switch it up. I'm going to start from the bottom to the top just to switch it up a little bit, to, just to create some suspense, if you want to call it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start out with the bottom. I have NIU going 1-5. and five. I don't think they're going to be going 0-6. Oh I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, give them one win. Um, let me check their schedule. I believe I have – I believe I have Northern Illinois beating Eastern Michigan there at the end. I believe to get that one win, mm. but yeah, Northern Illinois one and five. I think we both agree Northern Illinois is going to struggle this season. Followed by I have Eastern Michigan two and four. Makes sense. I have them struggling this season, so they're going to have to take a little bit of, of a hit. As I mentioned above, as I mentioned before, it's all it's all division opponents. I just don't think they're going to be able to get done this season. And then I have Ball State and Western Michigan tied at a three and three record. Uh, moving forward, so the third and fourth spot, Ball State three and three, Western Michigan three and three, and then I have CMU. Hopefully, I I have CMU four and two if David Moore can get clearance in time, mm. which I don't think he will, which kind of hurts my predictions long term. However, I'm gonna I'm gonna be confident. I'm gonna be optimistic. I'm gonna say CMU four and two, and then Toledo, as I mentioned, five and one. I believe I have their only loss to. Um, I believe I have their loss to Central Michigan there at the end. So there's that. It would be a Toledo uh, Miami MAC championship game for me. Gotcha, man. Um, yeah, good good rankings. I, I think uh, we have. So me and you have the same bottom three. So I, I if I'm going to start from six, I have also have Northern Illinois. I have Northern Illinois going zero and six. Unfortunately. I'm sorry to all you Husky fans out there. I just, I, I think it's going to be a long year for the Huskies this year, but I think that'll pay off in next year and in future years when, when you start to see some of these young players develop. But I think for this year, there's going to be some growing pains. Uh, so I have Northern Illinois at 0-6. I have Eastern Michigan at 5, at 2-4. and 4. Uh, Yeah, just like I mentioned earlier, Sam, I think, you know, replacing Mike Glass and then three all-conference players in the secondary, that's a lot to overcome, uh, especially when Mike Glass was really – pretty much all the offense last year. Um, so I got Western Michigan at uh, four going three and three. I have Toledo and Central Michigan at two and three tied at four and two. Uh, I have Central Michigan in second though, because I think they'll beat Toledo head to head. And then I have Ball State first, man. I have Ball State going five and one this year. I think they'll they'll slip up to, I think they'll lose one game to either maybe Miami of Ohio or, or Toledo. 
um, or it could be Central Michigan. I think they might lose one of those three games, but I still think they'll take care of business otherwise. And I, I think the Cardinals get over the hump this year and make it to fourth field. And Zach, I, I saw this tweet somewhere and I forget who it was. I was searching and I couldn't find it, but they said that in order to be John Steinbrecher said in his press conference that, that the teams have to play at least three games to mm-hmm. be in the, in the max championship. And we've seen recently with the Wisconsin Nebraska game cancellation, a bunch of cancellation across the board in college football. What, what do you think that means? Like, I, I just feel like that's going to be so frustrating. Let's say you're a, 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 let's say a CMU team. Let's say like my prediction says you go four and two, but yet let's say Toledo goes three and zero, oh, and yet on win percentage, yeah. Toledo gets in. Yeah. I, that, I mean, I could see why that would be really frustrating for a team like central Michigan in that hypothetical scenario there. Yeah. It's, it's going to be really interesting. That's why, you know, like we were saying earlier when we talked about that, you know, the Miami, um, the fight, the the brawl story is like you really hope the teams are taking this seriously because you'd love to see be able to see all teams get all six games in. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, if they're taking the proper measures and, you know, wearing the mask and social distancing and stuff like that, that we'll be able to have a full season for all of these teams. You'd hate to see it where, like you said, you know, some teams play three, some play four, some play five, some play six. You'd hate to see that happen. Um, you know, we're already on such a short season. You'd love to see him get all the games in. Yeah, it, and it just hurt. And I saw, like, um, Jordan Gusky, who we're going to be interviewing later, um, as a matter of fact, tweet out Ball State's numbers, and they had zero athletes test positive for the past seven days. Now, they that might have changed between then and now, but at yeah. least for the time being. It looks set for action. Hopefully, every, every team can be at least COVID-free enough. I'm not sure exactly how to phrase it. That yeah, they can yeah. play next Wednesday. Like this is such a weird time. I don't know. It it would be weird to see a three and O team face like a five and one team. Like that would yeah. that would make it even more interesting. You don't yeah. have the experience of the full six games. You only have three to fall back on. Like, will that make a difference? There's no fans. Like, yep. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be weird. It's gonna be it's gonna be weird. I'm I really I fingers crossed that we get all the games in. I'm I'm really hoping all all Mac teams get to play six games. And with that being said, before we move on to our interviews, is there any final thing you want to add, Zach? No, I'm good, man. I think we covered it. Uh, I'm excited. You know, next week we'll be able to talk about some actual games. And when you are watching these uh, games on Wednesday, you should be repping your team. And with that being said, Homefield Apparel, the premier direct-to-customer clothier for college sports fans, and Hustlebelt have partnered for an exclusive line of T-shirts. Pick up your Tuesday night or Jolly Blogger shirt on homefieldapparel.com now, and you can save 20% off your entire first purchase using promo code HUSTLE. Every shirt you buy helps us out at the the blog, and you'll feel good too. Thanks to Homefield's exclusive 52% cotton, 48% polyester blend. Rep the best little blog in the Midwest today by going to homefieldapparel.com and using promo code HUSTLE. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. For this next segment here, uh, we have another very special guest with us. So we've been doing a lot of interviews uh, focused specifically on football lately as, as we you know are in the lead up to football season. But we wanted to um, give you guys a little something different here this evening and talk to you a little bit about uh, kind of the behind the scenes folks that run a Division One athletic department. And uh, tonight joining us, we have uh, Brian Wolf, who is the director of athletic communications 
at uh, the university at Buffalo. He's a, uh, an alum of Buffalo from 2005 and has worked for the athletic department now for uh, going on uh, 15 years now uh, for the Bulls athletic department. So Brian, thank you so much for joining us tonight. How you doing? Doing well. Thanks guys. I'm looking forward to talking to you. So we wanted to uh, jump right into it. The first question we had for you, Brian, what was it like, or I should say, what is it like having graduated in 05 from Buffalo? And then I know you said you took a a few months off, did an internship, but then you came right back and and you've been working for the athletic department for 15 years. So what's that experience been like for you? And and what is it about Buffalo that's so special that's kept you there? Yeah, I mean, it's been awesome. You know, when I, when I was a student, uh, I started in the athletic department my, my sophomore year. So kind of end of my freshman year, I, I thought, you know, I want to get involved in something. And I had no idea what athletic communications was, but I knew I was a communications major and I knew I liked the word athletics. So um, I just, uh, you know, I just emailed the, the boss at the time and said, hey, you know, I'm interested in helping out. You know, I wasn't looking for credit, wasn't looking for money. I just wanted to, you know, figure out what this was, you know, as I was looking to kind of get into uh, whatever, you know, whatever field when I graduated. Um, and it was an unbelievable experience, obviously for anybody who's, who, who knows the history of UB athletics, those were not great times from a, a success standpoint, uh, you know, in 2001, 2002, 2003, uh, a lot of growing pains, uh, you know, we're, we were kind of new in the mid American conference and only starting there, you know, just before, uh, you know, 98, 99. So, uh, it was a lot of growing pains and then things started to get better kind of, as I was turned to a senior in 2005 kind of when the men's basketball team started picking up and they made their first Mac, uh, Mac championship appearance and, you know, unfortunately lost in the, in the finals. Um, but I really just, you know, I love the people I worked with and I didn't, I didn't plan to come right back to Buffalo when I graduated. Um, I got an internship at Cleveland state and I was going to do a one-year internship. And then uh, I got a phone call that the assistant director at that time uh, was looking for another job. And it was, it was already October and they asked if I wanted to come and, and t- take the full-time job. And, so the start of November, I, I think I showed up like November 12th and the first basketball game was like November 19th or something like that. And I was, and I was the women's basketball contact at the time. So I jumped right into it. And then, you know, as the years progressed, you know, we, we got really good at, at different sports. Uh, I moved on from women's basketball to men's basketball eight years ago, uh, worked a lot with the football team, a lot of winning, uh, you know, 2008 was a great year. And then men's basketball had the success that they had. Uh, so it's a great place to work. Uh, our coaches are fantastic. Our administration's fantastic. I've worked with, uh, you know, John Fuller, who's, who's uh, our assistant AD for communications. I've worked with him for uh, almost 20 years. If you, if you talk about, you know, me going back to my days as, as an undergrad. Uh, and, and Buffalo is just, you know, I, I think it gets a bad rap because of the weather, but it's one of the best places to live. And especially in the summer when I can actually enjoy myself, uh, the summers are great, you know, high 80s, doesn't get too hot. Uh, the falls are fantastic. The food's really good. Um, so it's it's a great sports town, and you know there's just a lot of great things. And uh, there's a reason why why I keep coming back every year. Uh, so true. Uh, could you kind of break down for people who might know what what are some of your duties as the director of athletic communications? How much time you got? <laughs> uh, so our our duties um, and, and people people might hear uh, athletic communications, they might hear media relations, they might hear sports information. They're all kind of, they're all the same department. They're just named different things at, at different schools. Um, but I, I think it's it's one of those things that people don't really exactly know what, what it is that we do until we kind of start telling them. Um, the easy answer is we're the public relations unit of any athletic department. And so 
anything that relates to uh, anything you put on the website. So any game stories that get written, uh, any uh, media guides, game notes, um, all that stuff that goes on the website, uh, player bios, all that gets written by an athletic communications office. Uh, now, you know, as big as social media is, we maintain all the social media accounts, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and not only do we maintain our team accounts and our personal accounts, but we also kind of watch what our athletes are doing on, on social media to make sure that they're, uh, you know, following the rules and, and, and putting, their, the best, putting their best foot forward from a branding standpoint. Um, then we also conduct uh, all interviews. So, you know, any interview that a, a local or a national media outlet wants to do with one of our student athletes or with a, a coach, uh, those all come through our office. We set up a, any interview that ever comes through uh, for any of our athletes. Um, so th those are a lot of kind of, I know I'm forgetting stuff. Oh, statistics, um, you know, for, for home games, it, we're, we're doing all of the stats uh, for, for all the sports. Uh, and then we're also kind of the archivists, right? So any history uh, for your department, I mean, we, we kind of know all the history that's going on. So there's a lot of different roles. And it really, what's, what I love about the job is in one given day, we could be doing seven or eight totally different things. So when you like when you hear uh, when you hear like a, a sports announcer kind of say something really smart like during a game, like they have, they come up with this great fact, oh hey Buffalo has won the last you know eight home games against Akron or whatever it is, uh, and everyone's like oh that's cool like that you know that that announcer did a lot of homework. No, they're they're just reading off our game notes, and they don't <laughs> get me wrong. I mean they do their homework, but a lot of it's coming either comes from our game notes uh, or we sit with the. Uh, we sit with the announcers during shoot around earlier in the day and kind of talk about our team. So that's a lot, a lot of what we do. I mean, it's, it's crazy how much is on your plate at all times. And you know, what, one thing that Sam and I had, had talked about, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you about is obviously, you know, being kind of the, the, the media facing part of the athletic department, doing all the public relations stuff. What has this year been like for you? Because you think back to March when, uh, you know, everything gets shut down the day that the MAC tournament was start set to kick off. And then now over the last couple months, you know, are they playing football? Are they not playing football? What's going on this year has been, I mean, it's been a huge curveball for all of us, but I, I obviously, I think for you, it's probably made your job a lot tougher. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. Cause I was talking with, with our athletic trainer today actually about it. And, you know, we go to school and we, we, and we, we, you know, we're communication, the public relations majors, and we learn all these things about, uh, you know, about public relations, either nightmares or, or how, to, how to deal with different stories. And if you're an athletic trainer, uh, you know, you learn about, uh, you know, ACLs and strengthening, uh, you, know, the, you know, muscles and getting our guys ready to play. But you never learn about global pandemics. Like it's not, <laughs> yeah. it's not anything that, that's ever uh, you learn in school. You just kind of have to, you just kind of have to figure it out. Um, and, and it really was a whirlwind. Our women's basketball team was, they, they were in Cleveland um, when kind of everything got shut down. And nobody really kind of knew what, what was going on. I mean, it was, it was kind of that week and the NBA shut down. And then I think the Ivy League was first. And then everything just kind of started shutting down. And then the NCAA tournament did. And then spring sports got, got canceled. And for a little while, it, it really was just kind of a pause. Like we didn't really know, we didn't really know what was going on. Um, but we, we kind of assumed, you know what? Unfortunately, you know, and I felt super, I felt really bad for our spring athletes that they lost their seasons. And I work men's women's tennis as well. Um, and, and, you know, it was really unfortunate they couldn't, that they couldn't complete their seasons. But we kind of sat there and I would say in April and in May, we were like, all right, you know, we, we'll get through this. 
and the fall will be well, the fall will be fine. We'll 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 be good, right? You know, we'll, it, we'll get back in the fall and we'll have everything. And then it just kind of progressed as the summer went, and then the fall sports got canceled in uh, in August, and we didn't really know what was going on. We just knew, all right, now now we're not working these sports in the fall. And and I do secondary football with well uh, with, with John Fuller, and and I'm also the volleyball contact. So it's kind of weird because you know I'm not used to in the fall not not working Saturdays, not working nights. It's totally different. Uh, and then all of a sudden kind of the sports, the, the conferences started coming back kind of one at a time with football. And we knew that it was close. We, we didn't know exactly when the Mac was going to, was going to come back, but we're like, all right, all, every other conference is back. We, we, it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it finally did. Um, and, and that was really exciting. And we, I was excited for, for our guys who, because they, they work, they've worked so hard. Um, and the media attention has been, been good, um, you know, cause people are, people are interested in it. It's, it's definitely a story, you know, how are we doing our testing, how we make sure these guys stay safe. And, you know, I think we've, our, our, our sports medicine staff has done a really good job of keeping our guys safe. Uh, and now, you know, we're starting football two weeks from tonight, which is really exciting. And then now, now, and now we've kind of turned to, all right, basketball is only just over a month away, November 25th. So now we're turning to indoor sports, which is a little bit different, a little bit trickier. Um, but it's it just excited that we're actually talking about playing games. Uh, I want to continue on kind of the pandemic for a quick second. So we saw three weeks ago kind of a big outbreak within the Buffalo uh, athletes. I think it was like 25 plus athletes got tested positive for COVID. So what was the reaction like since you were behind the scenes from the university and how did they kind of handle the uh, outbreak from your perspective? Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, one of the things is that our, our department wants to be very transparent and we don't, we don't, we don't want to, sh- we don't want to hide things um, I, that doesn't do anything, you know, that's, that's in nobody's best interest. So we want to be transparent, but at the same time, we want to protect our student athletes, protect their, their, their health, their, uh, you know, their rights, for, you know, as it relates to their health. So, um, you know, I think we were, we were pretty open with the, with the number, um, you know, whether and, and the sports. Um, you know, and then, and obviously, you know, we, we're not going to come out with, you know, you know, what athletes are, are positive, what athletes are negative. Um, but it, it's something that I, we prepared for, you know, I think you look around and every school's dealt with every, I, I mean, I'd be shocked if you can find a school that didn't, that hasn't had at least kind of one, you know, little outbreak. And, you know, we, we did so well for so long, you know, our football team came back in June and we had, you know, we had, we had, we had very low numbers. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately the way this, this, this virus works is, you know, just at, at any one point, you know, if it hits the wrong, the wrong group, it, you know, it, it could spiral a little bit. Um, you know, now, thankfully, you know, we're back to, you know, pretty much full speed, you know, and, uh, and we're ready to go, but, you know, it was, it was disappointing, but, um, you know, I, I think we dealt with it the best, the best way that we could. I wanted to go back to something, touch on something that you mentioned in one of your previous answers, Brian, which was you talked about how, you know, you've kind of watched the progression of, of you know, when, from when you were a student and then here over the last, you know, 10 years where it seems like athletics at Buffalo has really kind of undergone a, a transformation, right? The football program has been transformed. The men's basketball program has tra- been transformed. The entire athletic department seems to have kind of leveled up a little bit. Uh, for, for the Bulls, what's it been like for you to kind of see that up close and watch all the the growth and these changes within the athletic department? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it. it uh, you know, I hate to bring it up with you guys, but it started in '08. You know, with with the football the football win against Ball State. Um, sure. You know, in in the MAC championship. Uh, you know, I mean, that was you know the, that Ball State team was one of the best best MAC teams. You know, to, to to ever ever play in this conference, and you know, for them to come in un, undefeated to the MAC championship, and you know, we we the year before in '07, we like tied we tied for the MAC East, and uh, it was like a three way tie and. And we were, we finished five and seven, so we weren't eligible for a bowl game. But then that was kind of the, the first year that we we won the MAC East outright and went to Detroit and had a great you know had a great fan following, and it was just it was an unbelievable game to watch and just to kind of see the passion of our fans. And then you know we were able to go to the international bowl that year, which you know is is no longer no longer around. Um, but to, for us to go to a bowl game in Toronto, which is just an hour and a half away, um, was really exciting because we we had a we had a great fan base. So. That kind of got football going a little bit, and you know, with men's basketball, we we had a couple appearances in, in the in the in the championship game, but we couldn't pull through. And then, you know, we finally we hired Bobby Hurley in uh, in 2013 for the 2013-14 season, and that was actually the first year I took over men's basketball as, as main contact. And I was like, oh man, I'm you know working Bobby Hurley, like this is this is pretty exciting. And then, we, you know, within two years. Um, he, you know, he takes us to uh, the MAC championship where we beat Central Michigan, uh, and you know, all of a sudden we're going to our first NCAA tournament. And um, working in an NCAA tournament is is by far the greatest experience of of my my career. Uh, and you know, and and luckily I've been able to do it you know a few more times since then. Um, but just to kind of watch what Bobby was able to do, and then for for Nate to come in and pick it up and to win another title in his first year, uh, and then you know, then we kind of had a slip up. And then Nate's third year, you know, we win again and we, we go and we're the underdogs and we play Arizona and, you know, to, to watch us, that, that performance against the Arizona Wildcats. I mean, that I, it's going to take something really special to ever uh, take that away as my, as my most favorite memory, um, you know, in, in collegiate athletics. Cause I mean, that was just an absolutely amazing game and just the media uh, opportunities after that were, were crazy. I mean, I think, I think me and coach O's were, I mean, we were up all night because we were like on the mount. We were a mountain time zone, so we were getting different mm-hmm. interviews from from different areas. Uh, I don't think either of us slept between, you know, working on game notes and game planning for the next game and doing interviews. Uh, it was it was wild. Um, but it, it and then the then the following year for that that was the year that you know we were ranked basically the entire season, and that that's kind of when we really really hit the national spotlight. And so it's just been it's been exciting just to kind of watch. Um, people not just in Western New York get excited about our teams, but, um, you know, people nationally knowing, you don't have to explain what UB is anymore. Uh, you know, they, they know what Buffalo athletics are. They know who the Buffalo Bulls are. Uh, and, you know, like on the men's basketball side, I expect Coach Weitzel to, you know, to keep that up. And women's basketball, we went to the Sweet 16, uh, you know, a couple seasons ago and, uh, you know, played South Carolina. And Coach Jack's done a great job. So we've just, you know, whether it doesn't matter who the athletic director was, uh, you know, Danny White did a great job when he came in and Alan Green was there and now Mark Alma, they've just made really good hires and, and, and that goes a long way. So you mentioned the, the NCAA tournament win. So did you actually get to see that in person? And if you didn't, what's the biggest uh, kind of favorite memory you've got to see uh, in person as a fan? Um, yeah. So I, I travel with, with the men's basketball team everywhere. Um, so uh, I was I was in Boise, Idaho for for that uh, for that game uh, against Arizona, and uh, the the one moment I'll kind of always remember uh, from that game. In addition, I mean, if you have the actual game and, and the the one play that I think everybody will always remember, 
is, uh, you know, is Dante Carruthers kind of driving the basket and he misses an easy layup and everyone could just kind of hang their heads. But instead, he, he steals the rebound right away, kicks it out to Jeremy Harris for the corner three. And then that, that was kind of the dagger that that was kind of that's when we knew we were going to going to win. But the, the one thing I'll always remember is one of our media members, uh, she came up to me with maybe like 45 seconds to go in the game. And, you know, we, we were up by we were up by like 20. So, I mean, we knew we were going to win. And she comes up to me and she, you know, she, she says, congratulations. And she goes, now what? And I just was uh-huh. like, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, we've never, we've never won an NCAA tournament game before. I mean, especially not, you know, not beating the, the Pac-12 champions and, you know, the guy that who's going to end up going number one in the NBA draft and DeAndre Aiden. So that's kind of a story I just always remember because there's just like, oh, yeah, we, I don't know. And we just, you know, you just kind of go with the flow and you just, you do as many interviews as you can and, you know, people were waiting outside our locker room and, you know, luckily I have some, you know, I have really good uh, coworkers who were on the trip with me that were kind of able to help out, but it, it was just, just kind of just staying up all night and like, and not even celebrating, but just doing more work was kind of really exciting because we had a turn in the mental aid tournament, you turn around new tournament guides for every game. And those things are about 80 pages. So, you know, so it, it can be super exciting that you won, but about two hours after you're done winning, you're working on a new 80 page, a uh, new 80 page tournament guide, which has oh, to be man. done for the next day uh, media session. So, wow. it's, yeah. And, and the other part that I guess I'll remember, you know, remember too, is, is people are not very good at, at knowing time zones. So they, they kind of forget that we were in the mountain time zone. So we started getting calls at like 5 a.m. because it was already seven o'clock back on the East Coast and people wanted to get us on radio and things like that. So it, it was just, it's one of those, I mean, it's one of those moments where you're, you're running on adrenaline, you know, you're going to sleep when it's eventually over and you just, you don't want it to end. So you're just, you're totally good with just not, not sleeping. And yeah, I, I'll, I'll always remember watching the second half of that game. And I, I remember, cause I remember it was close at halftime, but then in the second half, I mean, it, it didn't even look like Arizona belonged on the same court. It was really really incredible to watch. So I'll always remember that as well as just as a Mac fan. So we talked about basketball. We've talked about both, you know, the basketball and the football programs have really kind of um, been elevated here over the last 10 years or so from your from your perspective, in your opinion, which, which venue provides a harder atmosphere for opposing teams to walk into alumni arena when it gets rocking or UB stadium, whenever it's packed. I mean, I'm always going to, I'm always going to say, I mean, at this level, it's, to me, it's always, it's always the indoor venue um, yeah. just because of the acoustics. And, you know, that's not to, you know, slight, you know, UB stadium or, or our football fans, because they're great. And um, we, we get a really good turnout from, from, from true blue, from our student organization. And, and they, they do a really good job giving us um, that advantage, but there's just, you know, there's just something to be said about going into an arena and having it packed 5,000, 6,000 fans, and that's not just for, for home games. I, I would say that on the road too. I mean, especially the year that we were ranked all season, we go to any, any Mac school and, and be sold out, you know? And um, I think, you know, Toledo, you know, I think when we went to Toledo that year, it was their biggest crowd ever for a non Toledo BG game. Um, you know, oh, wow. and then we, and then we go, you know, we'd go to B, we went to BG and BG was actually one of the two teams to beat us that year. And, you know, their place was, was packed and, you know, it, it it stinks losing, but it's just, it's exciting watching Mac venues full uh, with passionate fans. And, and you know, it, it, again, it, I hate being on the losing end of it, but it kind of after, 
you know, after the game, you know, you're kind of on the bus and you can kind of cool down a little bit. And you're just like, you know what, that was just, that was an unbelievable college basketball atmosphere. And, uh, and I think a lot of, a lot of Mac venues provide that. Yeah, uh, no doubt. So obviously we've talked a lot about football and basketball at Buffalo, but uh, you mentioned that you're also the contact for volleyball and tennis. So can you kind of tell us, cause I'm not too familiar with volleyball at Buffalo or tennis at Bu uh, Buffalo. So can you kind of uh, inform us like how those programs are doing? Yeah, so our volleyball program is up and coming. Um, we, we've had a couple, uh, she's since uh, has left the program, but, but Blair Brown Lipschitz, who was uh, a four-year uh, national champion at Penn State, uh, was, who still lives in Western New York. Uh, she, she was our head coach uh, for a couple seasons, and she kind of got the program going. Uh, and then Scott Smith, our head coach now, uh, was an assistant under her for, for all of her seasons. So um, it, they're a really, it's just a young program, a lot of young players, um, but they're, they're getting there. You know, we won, uh, we won a match last year at the, at the MAC tournament, which, you know, something we, had, we hadn't done very often. Um, so I'm excited to see where, where that program is going to go under, under uh, Coach Smith and uh, with, the, with the young team that we have. You know, volleyball is a little is going to be a little different this year because we're playing it in the spring, and that kind of goes to a whole nother level of, of, uh, I guess, athletic communications and and how we're going to actually work all these sports come come January and February and March. Um, so I'm I'm interested to see how a spring volleyball season will go. Uh, as for tennis, um, we've had we've had a lot of success both on the men's and women's side. Um, our women's team has won a couple of MAC championships. Um, uh, we've got the NCAA tournament. Uh, three times overall once once in 08 we went we went out to UCLA and then um, more recently we've been to um, Ohio State and uh, Northwestern uh, and our and our men's tennis team uh, under head coach Lee Nichols also also had a lot of success I would say kind of our men's program and the Western Michigan men's program have kind of been duking it out uh, as the two top programs for probably the last decade uh, and, and coach Nichols taken us to a couple NCAA tournaments both at Ohio State and then um, down at Texas A&M as well. So uh, we've we've had some really strong tennis programs uh, over the last over the last couple uh, years, really, really over the last decade. Brian, the the obviously you're also very involved with uh, the men's basketball program as as we talked about a little bit. Um, you mentioned earlier, you know, we're only a little bit over a month away from the start of basketball season, which seems crazy to even think about, but it is the reality. So what's the feeling around the men's basketball program right now with Coach Weitzel? And um, also, you know, only being a month out from the season, um, any indication or, or any idea of, of when, you know, uh, a schedule might be announced? Yeah, I mean, right now, non-conference scheduling is is very difficult for a lot a lot of programs around the country. I mean, I think teams had had some schedules set uh, beginning, you know, on November 10th when the season was going to start. And then, then it got moved back to November 25th and everyone kind of had to take their pad and wrap up their paper and, and start from scratch. Um, you know, travel restrictions, travel, you know, budgets kind of all, all play into that. Uh, people are trying to kind of get into that, that bubble mentality. Uh, and I, you know, I know the Mohegan Sun has been uh, in Connecticut has been kind of making themselves kind of a mini bubble. I think Orlando, I think there's one in Orlando as well. Um, so teams, you know, are trying to do that, the kind of that bubble, bubble deal, because it's, you can get multiple games in one location, they take care of your testing. Um, so, but it's, what's difficult about scheduling this year is, you know, in most years you could go to, uh, you can go to a power five school and you get a guarantee, you know, whether it's 70 grand, 80 grand, 90 grand, usually basketball doesn't go, it doesn't go over a hundred. Um, but that's based on, 
them selling tickets, them selling concessions, uh, parking. Well, now with no fans in stands in some spots, those guarantees go way down. Uh, and you know, you still then and you still have to figure out travel and 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 all that. So scheduling has been been very difficult. And I think you know our, our director of operations, Tom Fox, he's done a really good job with scheduling, working with 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 Coach White. So um, to figure out a schedule that's that's going to make sense for us. Um, also being in New York, you know, we we have we have some travel restrictions that we have to adhere to or at least be cognizant of. Um, so we're kind of working on a schedule. Hopefully by next week we'll we'll kind of have something out there. Um, I know the Max kind of released their schedule um, for, for basketball. As for the team, uh, it's pretty exciting. You know, we lost um, a couple players from last season. Devontae Jordan was was the Mac Defensive Player of the Year. But we got a lot of guys back, and we got Coach Weitzel in his second year. So I think guys are a little bit uh, more familiar with his style of play, of what he expects. Um, Javon Graves, who's, you know, a Mac Player of the Year candidate, uh, is back for his senior year after, you know, he um, – uh, thought about going to the NBA draft and then pulled his name out, come back for his senior year. And then guys like Jonathan Williams, uh, Rondo Segu, who is the sixth man of the year, um, Bill Dakis juniors, Brock Bertram is a, a fifth year senior who's given us a lot, a, you know, a lot over his time. Trayvon Fagan's come back. He tore his ACL last year. And then there's a lot of young guys as well that are kind of, kind of being a mix. So I'm pretty excited. I've been out to a couple practices. I know the guys are, the guys are eager to, see somebody in another uniform, which is not going to happen for a little while, but uh, they're, they're ready to go. Yeah. And, and I've got kind of two questions. So are, do you know if you're going to be allowed to travel to the team? And is there any sense from the department or the Mac or the university when fans might be able to return to Mac games? Cause I know as a ball state fan, I'm eager to uh, go back to the games. Yeah, uh, I, all indications are that that I will travel as part as part of the travel party. Um, and with that, I'll go through the same testing that um, our players and our coaches and our athletic trainers would, would go through. Um, and, and I think, you know, that's, you know, we still have a job to do. Uh, and I, it's going to be really, it's going to be very different. But, um, you know, we're going to try and do our job to the best of our ability. Uh, as for fans, you know, that, unfortunately, that it differs. Uh, it's that's more of a state, it's more of a county and state decision than the Mac just saying, okay, we can have fans on January 2nd. The Mac, unfortunately, they don't have, they don't have jurisdiction on that one. Um, so that's kind of the university working with um, county executives, county health officials, and the state to just determine what, what is the best course of action. Um, you know, whether it's an X amount, you know, a percentage, uh, you know, is it, is it friends and family only? Uh, I, I think that's still to be determined. One last question that I have, and then if, if Sam has any final questions that he wants to close out with, um, I'll, I'll let him do that. But the last question I had for you was, um, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of our call talking about how you kind of ended up in your role with Buffalo, right? So I think we have a lot of listeners out there, whether they be college students or, or high school students that, you know, they want to be involved in athletics somehow. They just don't know what it is or what that looks like. Your path, I think, is something that a lot of them could, could probably relate to and look at. So what, what advice would you have for anyone that knows they want to get involved in athletics in some capacity, but just doesn't know what it is yet? Or maybe talk a little bit about, um, you know, how, how your, what your approach was, I guess, to your career path to get you to where you are now. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I would say right, well, right now, don't get discouraged because it's, it's going to be hard to, to maybe volunteer at, at certain, you know, at, we're really trying to limit who's around our athletes and our programs. So right now, opportunities that would be around in years past might not be there. 
but that doesn't mean give up. You know, I think you just have to kind of understand the, you know, the situation that we're in right now. Um, but normally, I would say, you know, just be willing to do whatever. You know, be be willing to volunteer. Um, you know, don't don't think right away that you know you, you need a paycheck to go uh, work in athletics. I mean, uh, that paycheck was was never an idea of mine. It was just to just get involved and and see what this was all about. Um, and then once you're there, no job is too is too big or too small for you. You know, I, you know, I, I mean, the jobs that I do now, you know, whether it's you know going into you know going to the locker room and interacting with the guys or you know sitting with talent from ESPN or whatever whatever station I might be I've worked my way up to that um so you know I think some people are like oh okay well right away uh you know I'm, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go talk to uh, you know I'm gonna go talk to Steve Levy you know who you know who did our, our game and you know our Bahamas Bowl game it's not how it works right away right you know the first thing we might ask you to do is go fill up the fridge with with water bottles or go uh, you know, go make copies. And, um, for, and, and it doesn't sound glamorous, but it, it has to be done. And we still do. I, I mean, I, we, we still do it all the time as well. So, you know, I, I think you just got to accept the role that it might be right away. And then at the same time, ask questions, you know, you know, why are you doing this? What are, what are you doing? I mean, we're, we were, I always say we work in a university that makes us, we're not teachers, but that makes us educators. And so we, we want to educate these kids on what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, and, and even if they are technically athletic communications students or interns, but they want to spend a day with marketing or they want to spend a day with development, you know, go do that. I mean, learn, learn as many different things as you can. Um, and, you know, I've, I had the opportunity to um, do a summer in minor league baseball. Um, I did a fall with, with, with the Buffalo Bills doing, doing game days. Um, I did a summer uh, back in Long Island at News 12 as a, as a sports reporter intern kind of. Um, cause I think it's, it's, you don't only want to figure out what it is that you want to do, but you kind of want to figure out the things you don't want to do. Um, so kind of getting those different experiences in sports really was really helped me know, know exactly what it was that I wanted to do in, in the sports field, because there are so many different opportunities. Yeah, no doubt. And I've got two questions again. Thank you for your time. We truly appreciate you taking your time to sit down with us and it's not really sports related to so, so much. So one, uh, me and Zach have asked basically every guest, where's, so if we were to travel to X campus, in this case, of Buffalo's campus, where's the best place to eat? Where, where do we go to eat if we just happen to, uh, to go there? And two, uh, if, you, if you didn't know, Ball State, uh, for some reason, I didn't hear about it until after they left, but Peyton Manning and David Letterman were on campus. So who's, who's the biggest kind of alumni from Buffalo or just biggest person uh, famous that has ever shown up on campus? Girl, uh, all right, I'll start with the food question. Um, and, you know, it's, I, I, I guess think, I think you guys are going to know my answer on this one, uh, but obviously it's Buffalo Wings, right? Um, you know, home, home of the Buffalo Wing. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of great, great spots. I mean, you, you can't go and get, get a bad wing. Um, Elmo's is not only my favorite spot, but it's also the favorite spot of Cleo Mac, which probably goes to question number two, a little bit for you. Yeah. Uh, but uh, whenever Cleo comes back into town, he, Elmo's is always kind of the first place that, that he'll go to. Uh, he's, he's, he's a celebrity there as well as almost everywhere in Western New York. Um, but th there's a ton of good wings. I mean, you got Duff's anchor bar is the original home of the chicken wing. Uh, Santor's has really good wings, Gabriel's Gate. So there's, it's really hard to get a bad wing. I just, you know, just don't go to like a chain place for wings and you're good. Um, as for the second part, 
Uh, from uh, an alumni standpoint, uh, Wolf Blitzer is a UB alum. Um, so he's probably, the mo I would say, maybe the most famous non-sports uh, non alum. Um, Grover um, Miller Fillmore, the old president, was the president of UB. Um, so that, oh, that's, wow. that's a little a little fact there. Uh, and then and then I guess you got to go with, with Cleo Mack. It's probably, you know, one of the, the biggest uh, celebrities of, of UB as well, being, you know, the number five pick in the draft. And, um, and I mean, that's another great story is, uh, you know, just being able to kind of cover the NFL. Me and, and, and John Fuller, our football contact, we got to go down uh, to Radio City Music Hall when, when Cleo was uh, was drafted and covered the NFL draft, which is, which is really awesome. Um, and then, yes, oh, non-UB alums that kind of come on campus. Um, Barack Obama was on campus um, at one point. Uh, it was right before, I think it was in 2014, it was right before we played Ohio State because he kind of gave us a shout out and told us to beat Ohio State, which we didn't, but um, but it was it was it was kind of cool to have have the president uh, on campus. So, just those are those are a couple names of, of guys that that, been, that are either alums or kind of step foot on campus. Not too bad, not too bad at all. Well, uh, Brian, again, we we can't thank you enough for your time this evening. This was a great conversation. We we really appreciate it. For all of our listeners out there, he is uh, Brian Wolf the Director of Athletic Communications at the University at Buffalo and, and the main media contact for uh, volleyball, men's and women's tennis, men's basketball, and football. You can follow him on Twitter at UBB, uh, UB Brian Wolf. Sorry, that's with two Fs at the end there. So, um, Brian, thank you again so much for your time this evening. This was a great conversation. We really appreciate you stopping by. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks, and appreciate talking to you. And welcome back to another segment of the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast. It's me, Sam Thoman, joined as always by Zach Foley. And on this segment, we actually have a special guest. We're actually going to the Ohio football preview. We've done, I don't know how many is Zach at this point. How many have we done? Like done five maybe, or six? I think we've done six by now. I think we've done six. Six, and previews. then this will be seven. Then we got one after this. So we'll, yeah. we'll have eight of them done so far. We are joined by J.L. Curvin. I assume that's how you say your name, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. And, and we're just going to jump straight into it. Um, you, so yeah, we're just going to jump straight into it. Ohio football preview. You work for the Athens post, correct? Yes. Yep. yep. Okay. And then we're, yep. So we're just going to jump straight into it. Sorry for that awkward intro, but uh, how did, so basically we're just, so how, so how is Ohio feeling about this season? Well, it's an interesting year. I mean, everybody's just, happy to be playing football no matter if you're a team like Ohio or in a position like Akron but um OU actually feels like this could be their year they haven't won the MAC in 52 years but they keep telling themselves that this is going to be the year uh a lot of returning people on offense defense so the team I mean they have great aspirations for this season they went four and one against Mackey's opponents last year all they have to do is put a record like that again and they could be in Detroit by the end of December. So JL obviously uh losing Nathan Rourke off of last year's team it's a huge deal I mean four-year starter at quarterback he was the centerpiece of the offense for a long time um you got two guys in there now Curtis Rourke his younger brother and also Armani Edwards who transferred in from UNLV um seem to be the top two guys in in, in camp is there any has there been any word on who's going to start week one or has there been an update at all on the quarterback situation? As of right now, the plan is to sort of play both, which I think is I think is smart. A really short camp. Rogers being a um, a grad transfer, he hasn't really had 
the chance to really win the job yet. And then Curtis was a red shirt last year. So he hasn't really shown too much that he can lead the offense, but it's been a really tight camp. Curtis is known to have the bigger arm, but Rogers has the better legs. He can extend the play. So I think you'll see both quarterbacks actually play on Wednesday. I'm just curious, uh, considering Frank Solich, I assume knew he had Curtis Rourke and waiting. What was, why, why did he decide to target Armani Rogers and go out and get him? It's actually an interesting way how it um, unfolded. So Brian Metz, the tight ends coach, he was a, he worked over at UNLV. Originally he had been an intern and a GA at OU. So when he came back, Rogers really liked the relationship that he had built with Mets and he was still looking for a place to go. So when he looked at OU's offense, being able to work with this coach that he had built a, a bond with over at UNLV, it just made the right decision. And then, I mean, if you're, if you're Frank Solich and you just lost the best quarterback your program's ever had, even though it looks like you might have that air apparent, air apparent you're not going to be too safe. You're going to take more talent on your team. So, yeah, one thing that helps when you're brought, breaking in a new quarterback is to be able to, to lean on the run game. And, you know, that's one thing I think that Ohio is going to be able to do this year. You have O'Shawn Allison and Demontre Tuggle both back this year. Both were, were really good on the ground last year. Um, now, with Frank Solich, traditionally Ohio always has an emphasis on running the ball. But do you think they might even lean into that a little bit more this year, given that they're breaking in a new quarterback and that they have two run proven running backs in the backfield? Oh, definitely. I mean, O'Shawn, he had a fantastic year last year, breakout. He's going to be looking to build upon that. And then you also, you mentioned Demontre Tuggle. There's Julian Ross that could come out of the backfield and catch passes. And it was actually funny, the other day, we had a, a meeting with Frank. And after it ended, we were going to interview another player. Frank ran all the way across the field just because he felt so bad for, for forgetting to mention Javari Portis, a redshirt senior, who I think will also be in the mix. So, yeah, OU's got like four different guys that they're excited to try out this season. And kind of switching over to the other side of the ball, the defense last year kind of started slow but seemed to really hit their stride as the season progressed. With nine starters back there back this year, what are the expectations on the defensive side of the ball? They're high, but – Personally, I have my questions. Um, without Dylan Connor, he opted out, and Marlon Brooks, who also opted out. There are some questions amongst that defense. You still have guys like Jared Dorsa, Key Thompson, Austin Conrad that are going to be sort of the anchors of that defense. But there are a lot of questions in the secondary right now. So, um, you know, having to start off against Central and then Miami two weeks later, you could sort of start to see – the way OU started last season, starting off slow and then getting the rhythm later in the season again. Any uh, any players you think we should keep an eye out for that might have a breakout season this year, whether it be you know a freshman coming in or maybe just an underclassman that was on the roster last year that didn't get a chance to see the field? Cam Odom had a really down year last year, which was unlike him. And the main reason was because he was fighting a toe injury. He had surgery in March and he's been feeling great. And apparently he's had a really good camp. So I would expect to for him to have a breakout year. Well, more of a, a bounce back year because he's always been one of OU's top targets. Um, staying on that side of the ball, I would say Shane Hooks also. He led the team in receiving touchdowns. And, you know, it took a while for Warwick to actually trust him because he was just a redshirt freshman. Now he's actually seen as a maybe a number one or a number two. 
So he's going to have that targets and that more, more opportunities to make those big plays on the defensive side. I would say to watch out for Jeremiah Wood. Wood originally came to OU as a safety, but he's bulked up and he's owned that strong side linebacker role. He's going to fill in really nicely for them. And um, in a spot where OU had some questions coming into camp, he's really sort of put the, the coaches at ease by showing that he can handle that position. I'm just kind of curious. Uh, I look at uh, Ohio's recruiting and they're not, they're usually not at the top of the Mac. So how has Frank Solish done when we think of programs, it usually is dependent on high level recruits. He's been able to have success even without those high level recruits. How has he been able to kind of get the, get the success he has without those big name guys? He just has an amazing eye for talent. I mean, to find one of the best quarterbacks the Mac has ever had in, in Canada, you know, it just shows yeah. like how willing he is to, you know, sort of like think outside of the box. He really likes tough guys, smart guys, good football players that he can sort of develop. Not every, yeah, he's not getting the, the big time recruits. He probably won't ever, but if you can get a bunch of guys who are willing to buy into the system from the get-go, you can really work with those guys and have them ready to play good football by their third or fourth season. Yeah, for sure. So JL, uh, one area where Ohio actually loses probably the most uh, from last year is, is special teams. Uh, uh, kicker's gone, punter's gone, long snapper's gone, kick returner's gone, punt returner's gone. They're all gone. So what, what's the outlook on special teams there? Who's going to be the kicker? Who's going to be the punter? Um, you know, how, how are they going to replace all these guys on special teams? Right now, I'm thinking the kicker is looking like Tristan Vanderberg or Vandenberg. Sorry about that. But, um, but yeah, punt returners, Jerome Buckner's back. He's really electric. But yeah, like you said, uh, special teams is a huge question mark for OU right now, losing Louis Zervos. Um, you know, that was always something that the Bobcats could count on was good special teams play, really, uh, you know, solid, sound guys who are experienced. So, um, you know, there's six games. A lot of teams, you know, might have to worry about their special teams unit just because that's typically the unit that, you know, sort of gets the short end of the stick in practice. So I wouldn't be too worried about it. But of course, you know, if Vandenberg starts missing, you know, 20 yarders, then you can start scratching your head. Yeah. And, and you mentioned earlier that they feel like they can win a MAC championship every year. But from your eyes, what's the floor and ceiling for this team? Because I know I've seen the polls. It's usually consistent around the third or fourth kind of tier in, in their division. Yeah, Bobcats, Bobcat fans aren't going to like me for this one. But uh, OU finished third in the coaches and the media poll. And I think that's about right. Um, Buffalo really looks like the team to beat this season. And then Miami is still going to have some of that magic from last year. So, you know, if, if OU, OU Miami is always a toss up just because it's a storied rivalry, but having to go on the road that early in the season just sort of gives the Red Hawks that edge for me. And then having a, a, an experienced Buffalo team at the end of the season, yes, they have them in Athens. I still don't really I'm still not a huge fan of that matchup. I think OU can beat Kent or beat BG, Akron. I think they'll take care of business in there. I think they'll be competitive in every game that they're in. But at the end of the day, maybe those questions at quarterback or those questions in the secondary are going to what ends up making OU finish third in the East. 
Yeah, I think it's it's there's it's so competitive in the East this year. So much parity there. So JL, I, this question for me is is like I guess more kind of like big picture. Think about like Frank Solich. He's been at Ohio now for 15 years. Got a two year contract extension prior to the bowl game last year. You know he's he's taken Ohio to you know heights that the program has never seen before. But he you know he's 76 now. He's going to be going on 80 by the time this next contract runs out. Um, how, how much longer, is there a sense like of how much longer you think Frank Solich will hang around and, and how does the fan base kind of feel about Frank Solich at this point? Um, it's a good question. That's, uh, you know, Frank did sign that two, two year extension. I think he wants to do this as long as he, as he can. He seems as upbeat as ever. Um, the fans love him. I mean, OU was a, a joke of a program before Solich, you know, people, people would like a Mac, a Mac title, of course. I mean, he hasn't gotten one yet, but I don't know. It's just like when you've been bad for so long, you know, you, you, you tend to appreciate the good. So, you know, if you can't get it done this year, obviously that pressure is going to continue to grow, but it's never, it's never gotten to a point to where like, if Matt, if Frank Solich wins the Mac this year, he'll either keep or lose his job. Like it's, it's not going to reach that point. OU fans love him. Your team's always competitive. They play good football. It's entertaining. And as long as they're still doing that, Frank Solich is going to have a job in Athens. Okay. And I, and I'm just, uh, I I've asked this to basically everybody before, but what is the finances? I don't know what you've got since, but what are the finances looking like for this season? Cause a lot of Max uh, teams are, I'm sure are struggling. So have you got a sense of how this has been affecting the athletic department? Yeah, it's rough. Every, every coach, every, you know, volunteer worker, SIDs, everybody's taking salary cuts. Um, you know, it's just basically everything that's going on within the Mac. Luckily for OU, you know, losing the, losing the Boston college game definitely did hurt, but they didn't lose like on Ohio state or, you know, like some of the more marquee matchups that some of the, the teams in the, in the conference lost. So that's sort of, you know, helps stop the bleeding a little bit. But yeah, like it, it's definitely rough. You know, they really wanted to have this season with fans and, you know, they were sort of hoping maybe to get some of that money back in the spring. But, you know, luckily for the players, they're still able to play in the fall. But yeah, right now the athletic department is is struggling. It's it's tough out here. JL, last question I have, and then I, Sam, I don't know if you have anything else to, to finish out, but um, wanted to touch on the, the basketball team real quick before we let you go. Obviously basketball season's, you know, just a little bit under a month away, which is crazy to even think about. But um, Ohio did, you know, see some improvements last year. Got a got a win in the first round of the MAC tournament against Central Michigan. Before, obviously, you know, they never got a chance to to play Akron after everything got canceled. But um, what's the feeling like heading into this year for the basketball team? Feeling is great. Is <laughs> it's it's as high as it's been in years. Um, Athens loved Jeff Balls. I mean, he, he used to play here. The team is already seeing that immediate turnaround. You know, they finished about as strong as a team could finish. You know, a lot of OU fans still tell me that they felt good going into that Akron game before the car, before the tournament got canceled. So, you know, there's high hopes. You've got Jeff, Jason Preston coming back, Vanderplas. You know, basically that team that you had last year without Jordan Dardis and Sylvester. But, um... But yeah, you know, basketball season is definitely going to be an exciting time for Athens. Uh, yeah, I've just got one final question, kind of going back to football real fast. Um, so 
I consider this year kind of a free eligibility or redshirt season. Has Solich indicated to to you or anybody how he's planning to use this uh, season to his advantage? Solich personally doesn't really like to talk about it, but I've asked a few players. And the main thing with them is, like, they love the opportunity, but they also have to think about the feasibility. Like, for instance, guy like Jared Dorsa, you know, he's he's a fifth-year guy. He's doesn't really need another degree. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't have that second something to pursue. He's getting married. You know, this sort of like, they feel, they feel so blessed to be playing this season anyway, you know, cause it was so up in the air. They are kind of seeing this as their last hurrah. Now, obviously for guys that maybe can go for that extra degree or whatever they want to do, that's definitely something on the, on the table, but for the fifth year guys, it's it's probably it. That's that's the feeling I've been getting around the team so far. Good stuff. Um, well, JL, we, we really appreciate you stopping by, man. This is a great conversation. Uh, yeah, definitely. Enjoy talking to you. Love uh, learning about a little bit more about Coach Solich and the Bobcats always. Oh, I love I love talking OU football. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, you know, thanks definitely. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to a, a great season. I didn't know if I would get the cover. Mac football this year is my first year getting to do it, you know, so I'm definitely really looking for the opportunity and I get the least cover a, a pretty good team. Good stuff. Well, before you leave, why don't you, can, you can let the, let our listeners, let them know where to find you. Oh yeah. I am on Twitter at J L underscore Kervin. That's K I R V E N. Um, you know, Instagram, but you know, that might, I don't know if y'all ready for the heat that I'd be dropping on there, but um, but yeah, same thing on same thing on Instagram. But um, you know, you can always find my work at the post. Okay, yeah, as as JL said, go follow him on uh, Twitter. If you want to follow them, heat that heat at Instagram. You can find him on Instagram as well or at the post. Uh, thanks for thanks for coming on. No doubt. Thanks for having me. No doubt. And yeah, that was JL Curvin. Yeah. That's going to wrap it up for this conversation. And now we'll move into our Ball State preview. And welcome back to another segment of the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast. We just finished our Ohio preview. Now we're going to Ball State. We've got a special guest, Jordan Gusky of the Muncie Star Press. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you, Zach? Yeah, we're doing really well, Jordan. Uh, we're excited to have you with us. Thank you for joining yeah, no problem. And we're just, I feel like it's just, we're just going to jump straight into it. No, not much waiting around. Uh, I'm, I'm a Ball State student, so I'm curious as your insight. So how, how does the team feel heading into the season? I think it's, it's a lot of confidence, you know, uh, considering the way last season, at least conference play specifically started for them, doing as well as they did to start off, especially having that big win on homecoming against Toledo. And then to go on the slide they did and lose as many close games as they did in that slide. And then to go on and beat the Mac, eventual Mac champion, uh, you know, Miami Redhawks by as much as they did. I think there's just a lot of, I think hunger is probably the best word for, for coming back this season with who they brought back on the offensive side of the ball with Drew Put, Caleb Huntley and more on uh, defensive side of the ball with Bryce Cosby, Antonio Phillips, AJ Zadinma and more. Uh, you know, obviously news back, he got into this extension and then you still have some continuity, even though the coordinators change up a bit, there's still a good amount of continuity between that staff. I think just there's a lot of excitement and, you know, they've talked about Detroit or bust for seems like 
years now. I know it's only been months, but considering that the pandemic, it feels like years. Um, but it's it's a it's a pretty hungry team, and you know I think they're definitely. I'd I'd be surprised if you find a team that was you know more eager to get into this season than this Ball State team is. Yeah. So Jordan, you mentioned that uh, Coach New got that uh, that two year extension. This is entering year five for New uh, at Ball State. Uh, what are the the fan base's expectations for the this season? And, you know, I think there's some people that are starting to you know they're ready to see some results and get to a bowl game here. How, how do most fans feel about uh, Coach New heading into year six or year five? Yeah, I feel like it's a, it's a lot similar to to this past season. Um, just considering, I, it, maybe it's different now because it's a pan, the pandemic happened and the season's you know abridged uh, to only six games, not eight. They don't have a non-conference schedule, so you know a, a team could conceivably finish 500 in the MAC and, and potentially win the MAC. You know, considering how things go, uh, so it, it may this season may not be a great barometer of how the fans feel. Um, but I think if, if anything, it'd be similar to last season, just in terms of what the team brings back, the experience it brings back, uh, and the trend that it's going. So I would expect it to be a lot of what it was last year, which was to compete for a MAC championship. And if for some reason they should falter and not get to that point, I mean, you know, as I already brought up, they talk about Detroit or bus, so, you know, the fan base may be disappointed, but the team's going to be probably even more disappointed because they've already been there. But I would imagine, like I'm, I'm talking in circles, but I would imagine they're, they're, you know, expecting a lot from this team, you know, as they should. Uh, before we move into this season, I want to kind of go back to last season. And I know I was a little bit disappointed with how the season kind of ended. And I know my friends were as well. So what, like in your eyes, what was the downfall last season? Like I, I was at the game where they lost that uh, uh, double digit lead versus central Michigan. So what would, what happened that just kind of the wheels just fell off the bus in a sense? Yeah, I mean, if you want to go back to that Central Michigan game specifically, I think one of the things was there was a um, – I believe if I remember right, there was a, an unsportsmanlike penalty call, I believe, on a touchdown that Ball State had scored. And then just from there, it seemed like things just started to unravel. And I think it really all goes, point back, goes back to just the defense in the second half of those games – wasn't able to make the stops it needed to win. I mean, if you look at Western Michigan, the offense, I mean, obviously every game, every each side of the ball can have something that it could want to do better. Uh, but the, the offense, whether it was uh, Central Michigan or, or Western Michigan or, or uh, who was the other loss that they had uh, that was close? Um, oh, Kent State, I believe. Yeah, Kent State. Uh, like, yeah, Kent State. Yeah, so, I mean, they, the offense was putting up points in that game. And if you want to win a MAC championship, you know, if this team's going to win a MAC championship, it's defense. And the team knows this. They can't allow the kind of points that it did. And it's offense, when it sees its defense, you know, starting to falter the way it did, you know, can't, you know, sort of slow up in, in the ways that it did. So I think mostly it's unfortunately just on the defensive side of the ball. The defense wasn't able to get the thoughts it needed to to, to get wins. Uh, and if it had, Ball State could have potentially seen itself in, in Detroit, you know, competing for a MAC championship against Miami team that would be pretty handily at the end of the regular season. So, Jordan, moving into this season, you know, you mentioned at the end of your answer there that, you know, the defense and the struggles on defense last year. I mean, there, you know, this, the, there were a lot of struggles on defense last year. Gave up 31 points a game, almost 180 rush yards per game. I mean, there was a lot of holes on that defense. Um, what's the outlook on defense this year? Can we expect improvement in any areas there? And, uh, you know, we know the secondary looks good with uh, Udenma and and, uh, and, uh, and Antonio Phillips back there, but any other uh, notable uh, position groups on the defense? 
I think it's, I think a really interesting thing is going to be, you know, some of these junior college transfers that they got, uh, you know, along the line and the, in the secondary and other where I think uh, if those guys can make the sort of impact that they can have, especially on the defensive line, Tarango, uh, I think if, if he can have the sort of impact that, you know, these coaches are thinking about that he can potentially have, I think that'll be huge. Because like you mentioned, the secondary, I don't think is really a huge question for this defense. You know, obviously they need a new safety alongside Bryce. You know, someone's going to have to step up there for for Ray, who's now on a practice call with the Steelers. But, you know, that you have Bryce, you know, lined up with whoever he's going to be lined up with. Then you got AJ and uh, AJ and Antonio at the current positions. And really at linebacker too, it's really deep there with Brandon Martin, uh, Jalen Thomas, Clayton call you could go you know on and on about the linebackers they have there uh you know Keontae Newsom is a freshman who had uh, who's uh from from Tennessee I believe who you know, obviously has a pretty high ceiling if, if you ask you know Tyler Stockton about him defensive coordinator uh but I, I really think it's going to come down to the the defensive line whether or not you know they lose a guy like Chris Crum uh who's a you know a big loss for that team considering how much experience he had so I think you should expect to see improvement because of the experience they bring back and the talent they bring back but I think it's going to come down to, can they control the line of scrimmage uh, as they want to, you know, on both sides of the ball, but can they do that? Uh, can that defensive line be the force it needs to be? Can it help get to the quarterback in ways it couldn't last season? I think that's really going to be, you know, what tells, you know, how well this defense is going to be because I mean, you give any quarterback a heck of a lot of time, he's going to be able to find holes at some point. Uh, even if you do have, you know, the best cornerback duo on the Mac as, as they believe they do. And, and moving back to the offensive side of the ball, this is year two of Drew Plitt being that full-time starter. And he would, I would say he was good as we could have hoped for. So what was, what were, were there any problems that the uh, Ball State coaching staff tried to correct this season on the offensive side? And you mentioned the new offensive coordinator. So how is this Ball State offense going to look uh, heading into year two? Uh, you know, I, I think um, in terms of the, the first part of that, with like what they're going to correct, I think it, I don't think it's anything more substantial than just any team would look to do as you move into another season. Just looking at what a team did, what it didn't do well, uh, the things that Drew might have struggled with in his first year as the main starter, you know, not being just someone who was thrown in as, you know, an injury replacement as he, as he was in, in the previous seasons. So I, th- I don't think it's anything too drastic from Drew's perspective, although his, you know, added experience. Uh, will definitely be really helpful. But I think in terms of what a, you know, a ball state offense will look under Kevin Lynch as opposed to Joey Lynch, if you talk to Mike and you talk to Kevin, it, it's really not going to look all that different. Um, I mean, they, they might try to, you know, make some, you know, tweaks here and there as any team would. But, you know, a big reason that Mike went through with Kevin, you know, apart from just him feeling that Kevin was ready, obviously, to take this position was, just, you know, obviously Kevin has been in this offense for so long. And so you have someone who knows the offense, who was, who was ready to keep it going. Obviously Mike's still the head coach and he's obviously a very, you know, he's a, a talented offensive mind coming from the saints uh, before he came to ball state and the offense, they obviously have there down in new Orleans. So I think it's going to look relatively pretty similar. They might try to throw in some new wrinkles. Um, but I don't think fans uh, should be surprised to, to see Caleb only running the ball a lot. I don't think they should be surprised to see, Drew Plitt throwing to Justin Hall a lot or Johannes Tyler, who's coming in for, for Riley Miller, who obviously he's graduated. So obviously, you know, as I said a few times now, there are going to be some tweaks, obviously, as anyone would want to do. Uh, but continuity was a huge uh, reason why Kevin was brought on as the offensive coordinator. So I don't think it's going to be too, too surprising. 
Um, so Jordan, my, my question, I think you almost kind of partially answered it right there, but so you talked about breaking in new offensive coordinator and new defensive coordinator this off season. Um, that's tough in any off season, but then with this year, you know, no spring practice, very limited fall camp. Um, have there been any issues or struggles of, you know, integrating the new coordinators or getting these new systems learned? It sounds like they tried to keep everything, you know, a lot of continuity and stuff like that, but have there been any hiccups or issues or anything like that because of how weird this off season has been? Yeah, you know, um, you know, I think obviously these moves were made, you know, prior to this pandemic uh, be, becoming a thing. So, uh, I guess uh, you know when I talk about continuity, I guess it was it was in that frame of mind. Like uh, they obviously didn't make these hires, um, you know, in May uh, yeah. when when this pandemic would have been in full swing. Um, but in terms of issues, I, I mean, I think it's sort of just the obvious things. Just they're not they didn't have a spring practice, so they couldn't have the same sort of spring that they would have had otherwise. Uh, they didn't have the same summer workouts they would have had otherwise. They didn't have the same fall camp, excuse me, that they would have had otherwise. So I think those are, if you want to, if you want to think about issues, I think those are the real issues. But I mean, if you talk to these guys, they've been innovative in the ways that they tried to keep up with their, their, their different players, their position groups, keep things rolling. And, and, and Mike's had nothing, you know, but, but great things to say about them. So I think that their issues uh, maybe would have been more compounded if, say, you were, you know, Joey Lynch going to Colorado State as he did. Uh, I think he he encountered a lot more uh, potentially than Kevin did, considering Kevin obviously knew the staff. You know, especially considering the new, the new quarterbacks coach was a was a graduate assistant last year. Uh, so his staff he he knows you know everyone on there. Stockton I think already knew. Uh, Jay-Z, the new cornerbacks coach, I think, you know, so he's, he has familiarity as well. So yeah, I think the only issues would be what you'd expect that they just didn't have the same sort of off season that they would have had otherwise. Uh, but I mean, if you talk to them, you know, they're, they're very confident in what they could do. So you mentioned the addition of Joshua Tarango earlier. So what is the feeling? Right, I know they also added uh, Chris Aguming. So what is the coaching staff feeling about those two being added on the defensive line? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Tarango, I think is, I think if, if I remember, if I remember right, back before the season was shut down in August, before it was shut down in August, that's when it was shut down, if I remember right. I think I talked to, to, to Tyler Stockton, and he had said that Tarango was like the strongest guy on the team, <laughs> potentially, or, or just in that group, uh, if I remember right. So I think expect a lot of him, uh, just potentially just because, he was, you know, one of the, you know, the best players in his area at a junior college level out there in California. So a lot of him just in terms of experience, because he's not coming in as a freshman, he's coming in as a, you know, as a, an experienced college player coming through a really good Juco system out there in California. And then with Chris, I mean, Chris was picked as a, as a preseason on Mac guy, not like, I don't believe like by the conference, but just by, you know, one of those uh, various, you know, preseason services that, you know, happens. Maybe it was Athlon Sports, I'm not sure, but I think both of them are looked at as for a group that needed some experience, especially as I mentioned with losing a guy like, you know, Chris Crum, as they did. I think a lot is expected out of them just because they're talented guys. Uh, and, and maybe they had more time at Ball State considering the NCAA news on eligibility that came out. Uh, but I think both of these guys are looking at this season as big seasons for themselves. And I think the coaching staff expects the same. Jordan, it seems like this year uh, it, there's been a little bit of an uptick in the momentum of, you know, recruiting for Ball State. It seems like Mike News picked up a few uh, three-star guys, you know, gone down to, to Florida. 
uh, and got a couple guys in Virginia, I believe, as well. Um, is that just because of the security of the contract extension, or has anything else changed? It's kind of given him a little bit of momentum on the recruiting trail. I think, um, you know, I haven't talked to any uh, of the recruits' commitments specifically about this, but I think it, I think it, you know, make perfect sense if having that. Well, I mean, if he didn't get that contract extension. I don't think we're, we're talking about recruits because I don't think anyone's potentially going to come to a program where a coach is on his last year. Uh, Cause that's just not, <laughs> that's just not yeah. how that works. But um, so I'm sure, I'm sure uh, in a lot of ways that gave recruits a lot of confidence to know that the administration has confidence in him. Uh, but I think it's uh, in some ways, it's just the building of the program. I'd imagine just seeing Ball State be, excuse me, from, from where it was when, you know, Mike first took over to where it is, now from where it was, you know, in 2019, where it was very close to being in the MAC championship game, bringing back what it can and, and also having the potential for this season that it can have now, uh, potential MAC champions this season. So I think it's just the rise of the program is what I'd imagine is, is the uh, extent of it. And then also you can't forget the indoor practice facility getting built, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, I think the frames up there I saw the other day. So it's coming along. Uh, it, it looks nice as a, as a frame. I'm sure they'll like have uh, <laughs> and a roof, uh, but it looks cool to see it there. So I'm sure that doesn't hurt you. Yeah. So uh, you touched on the extension uh, briefly. So going back to that, I think me and my friends were ultimately surprised when Mike knew an extension. So have you got a chance to talk about gets uh, ultimately why she gave Mike new an extension? Yeah. I mean, I talked to her throughout the season about it. Uh, different points. I talked to her. I mean, she told me, uh, you know, but before I, you know, put that story out there that she had extended him. I mean, she she told me, uh, you know, you know why. And I think it's just the the trajectory that this that the program was on. I think, I think if it maybe if the season had shook out a different way and he somehow ended up five and five and seven the way he did, maybe it would have seemed different in my eyes. But the the way that they jumped out to the start that they did. And then how close they were and the losses that they were. I, I think if you just look at their season win losses at 2019 and compare it to 2018, 2017, and 2016, it's just night and day. Just the, especially if you look at like a game like Toledo, you know, winning by as much as they did against a team like Toledo, uh, beating Miami, who eventually was the MAC champion, although she'd already extended him by the time or agreed to extend him by the time that that game happened. I think just the trajectory that the season was on, uh, even though they fell short, I think was enough that it made sense to bring him back and keep that continuity going uh, as they did. I think is really what they were, were coming down to. Obviously, you know, and Mike's talked about this as well. He knows that the the measure is of success is wins and losses. He knows his record, which is what I believe like 15 and 33, I think is what it is at this point uh, through his, his, his seasons at Ball State. So he knows that's not what he wants it to be, not what any of the fans want it to be. Uh, but the tra trajectory is, is moving in the right direction. And, and while 2019 wasn't necessarily the, the turning point at the end that they wanted it to be, I think it showed enough to, to Beth uh, and, and to that program that, that Mike could keep the train rolling and that it would make more sense to bring him back than to try to you know revamp after those four years. Yeah. Um, 
so obviously one of the the things that's been talked about a lot with you know how the pandemic has affected this season has been you know the finances of it obviously ball state lost uh two two by games with big 10 schools in the non-conference this season and then now you know no no fans being allowed in, into the game so um how, how's that you know ball state dealing with the, the financial impact of all this yeah and yeah yeah they lost iu and michigan and if you think about it they lost iowa state as well you know as they were trying to yeah trying to figure things out you know, obviously iowa state's by game wasn't uh you know as much of a as a purse of as i use or, or if i remember right as i use or michigan's um just considering it's during a pandemic so that price tag dropped uh considering everyone was dealing with that but yeah i mean I, obviously you know ball state's hurting just as anyone else is but if you talk to if you talk to beth she'll continue you know say that they're they're still in a good spot. Obviously, you've seen teams around the MAC have to cut programs. I think Bowling Green's baseball baseball program ended up coming back, uh, if I remember right. So they were able to raise enough money, at least that program was, to come back. But you've seen programs in the MAC have to cut sports. You've seen programs in the Big Ten uh, have to cut sports. You've seen programs around the country have to cut sports. But Ball State hasn't, uh, and I think that's a big measure uh, of just how Ball State's doing. Obviously. It'd be, it'd be a lot better if they had had those those football games. It'd be a lot better if they'd had a full, you know, fall season with you know all those different things considered. Uh, but in terms of how Ball State's you know organized itself and dealt with itself over recent years, it, it's in a position that it can rebound. You know, you know, should everything come to pass as, as people associated with Ball State believe it will, it, it should be able to rebound pretty well. You mentioned those other departures like the Ray Wilborn, the Riley Miller, but how does Ball State look on the offensive line side of the ball? They lost Danny Pitcher to obviously the draft getting selected to the Colts. So how is that offensive line looking? Yeah, I, I think um, the, the thing with that offensive line, uh, and I want to like try to like pull up the, like the roster right now so I can look through it, but just uh, it, it doesn't necessarily, you know, obviously losing a guy like, like Danny is obviously going to be a, an impact for him. Uh, on that line uh, and, and losing others as well. You know, he, he wasn't obviously the only one to 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 move on um, from the team this past season. But just it, when you look at the offensive line across the board, it still brings back a lot of experience uh, at different positions. And you even have someone like Anthony Todd at center who, you know, he wasn't a, you know, an every everyday starter for, I guess, every day is sort of a baseball term, but an every week starter uh, for them along the offensive line. But he was still – you know, as someone who has a lot of experience along that line, they can bring a lot of experience back to them. Uh, so it, they, I know it, it seems really big to lose a guy like Danny Pinner uh, and, and to have someone like him. And I think, I believe, Andrew Painish, uh, who was, a, I believe, a tackle for him uh, last season, obviously is a big loss as well. Uh, but they still return a lot of starters uh, in terms of just starting experience. And so I think that'll help them along. Uh, in ways that, you know, if you just looked at, you know, the, the starting five guys, it, it may not, you know, make as much sense to think that way. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about recruiting a little bit um, along those lines. Any, any impact freshmen that you potentially see that could, you know, get onto the field and, and make a difference this year for the Cardinals? Yeah, I think, um, I think, uh, you know, I mentioned Keontae Newsom. Um, you know, obviously, as I mentioned, uh, it's a very, very deep linebacker group that they have, um, just not even in terms of just, you know, juniors and seniors, but just experience in general, whether it's Clayton or Jalen or Brandon or Jimmy Daw or you know, just a lot of people. Uh, there's a lot of people who have experience there. But, I mean, Keontae's already someone who, you know, he's put on a lot of weight since he's gotten to, to, to Ball State. 
I think he's up to about 210 now. Uh, is you know I, I think he's only still only listed at 190, but I think he's up to 210 now. And you know Tyler'd like to get him up to you know 225, 230 range. But Keontae is someone who Tyler believes can be one of the best defensive players to ever come through here. Uh, and they've already thrown him in with the ones at times, and he's performed well. Had a pickoff throughput in practice uh, as as things got re-rolling here. So obviously that's a good sign. On the offensive side of the ball, someone who you know I'm going to be very interested interested to see if he's if he's on the field is Donnie Marcus, uh, who's a running back out of Indiana. I think with Brownsburg High School, uh, and he he's very much in the same vein as as a Walter Fletcher type guy. Like if you look at the 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 running backs that Ball State brought in with its most recent recruiting class, you know Mark Brownlee is like a Caleb Huntley type guy. Donnie Marcus is a Walter Fletcher type guy. Uh, so, you know, whether Donnie being a freshman, uh, maybe he won't in the same vein as Keontae, maybe he won't get uh, as much of a look just because he's that just much younger, uh, needs more time. That makes sense. Uh, you know, Clayton Collins, one of the Clayton Collins, Nick Jones on the defense side of the ball were some of the few freshmen to really get significant looks uh, this past season. But I think, you know, if you're looking at each side of the ball, uh, you know, Keontae on the defensive side of the ball and, and Donnie on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, are two guys that I, I'd be really interested to see, you know, how much time they get. And one last question for me before Zach has any kind of closing questions. So how is, has Mike new indicated to you how he's planning to use this? I call it a free eligibility season slash like red shirt season, if you want to call it. Yeah, I think, um, I think first and, and foremost, this team's trying to win this year. Uh, it's it's going to try to win this year. Uh, it's going to try to do what it can to, to win a MAC title because one's up for grabs, so they're going to roll for it um, and, and and do what they can from there. So uh, I'd be surprised if you see any sort of ro like roster management in terms of only playing guys a certain amount. I think if if they can get a MAC championship, that's where they're going to go for. And I think it's after this season because they're playing in the fall now instead of the spring that year, I think it's going to be after the season, really, depending on how guys perform, where you're going to see that become a bigger thing. I mean, I, I've, I've talked to Mike about it. Uh, he's, he's talked about how, um, you know, just he, he maybe had some initial conversations when the, uh, you know, initial postponement of the season happened, but since it came back, he hasn't really talked about it because they've been focused on trying to, you know, compete for a MAC championship. So, and I, I've talked to Drew Plitt about it. I've talked to Antonio Phillips about it. Obviously, these are two guys with pro aspirations. But right now, while they understand that, you know, this this season will have an impact on uh, their their professional aspirations, uh, while they may, may not necessarily need to come back in terms of, you know, making the next step to the pros, it, it's something that's really going to, I think, be a bigger deal once the season ends. Like if, if Antonio Phillips has an amazing season, if uh, – Bryce Cosby has an amazing season. If Justin Hall has an amazing season, guys like this have amazing seasons because they now are not dealing with the season being lined up with the, you know, the, the potential pre-jack process that it might've been in the spring. I, I think it, it's, it's going to change things up a bit and, and maybe they will return. Maybe they won't. Uh, but I think at this point, this team's really focused on trying to win a Mac title and we'll go with it from there. Interesting. Uh, so Jordan, uh, one last question before we let you go here. Um, wanted to shift over very quickly to uh, and ask you about the basketball team. 
the, the Blue Ribbon uh, publication came out with their MAC uh, preseason, you know, uh, rankings this earlier day and had Ball State in third. Um, there's a there's a kind of a sense of optimism around the basketball team right now. What, what's the the kind of the expectations around campus for for the basketball squad? Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, you know from talking to 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 people around the program and you know you know like you know Coach Whitford and others. There's a lot of optimism. Obviously, they have to replace some pretty big pieces and guys like Taj and, and Kyler Mahler or Kyle Mahlers and, and, and others, you know, Josh Thompson, it's there, there are definitely some key pieces they have to replace. And it's going to be interesting to see who, you know, steps up from the, uh, the front court perspective, whether it's guys like Ben Hendricks or Blake Huggins, those guys take on bigger roles or if bringing on transfers like Reggie Jones is going to make, if he's going to be the guy who steps up for him, but I mean, you've got a, you know, freshman from Finland and Tamus Yakis. Uh, who, who could potentially be a, a pretty good player for him, whether it's this year or in the future. So it, there are definitely a lot of key players um, coming back. And I think I could see on, on, on Twitter, there were, uh, I think Ish and uh, uh, Coleman were, were, were going back and forth about being a little bit annoyed that none of them were on like the all Mac team or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's, it, and which is always good to see. I think if, um, you know, if you know you have players like that who are pretty vocal, you know, on social media and otherwise about how they feel, you know, if they weren't being vocal, you'd be a little bit probably concerned as a fan base uh, if all of a sudden now they stopped unless there was some, you know, big change in how they want to deal with that. But, uh, yeah, there's definitely still, you know, a lot of optimism uh, in this team. Ish is obviously a huge thing, a huge guy to have back uh, from potentially transferring to then coming back and having a spot to be able to come back. Uh, so, yeah, definitely uh, a lot of optimism. I know I'm rambling, but, yeah, there's a lot of optimism in this team. And, you know, however many games they're going to be able to play, uh, I think people should be pretty pretty excited to see what they're able to do out there on the floor. Well, uh, Jordan, we can't thank you enough for joining us. Uh, if you want to plug your Twitter real fast uh, where they can find you. Uh, just Google me. You'll find okay. um, <laughs> I mean, that's simple enough. I'm sure, yeah, they can probably just Google you. Yep. So, <laughs> yes, yep. it's just at first name, last name. Jordan goes, you'll find it. And if, and if you don't, it's cool. I'll survive. But yeah, okay. <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Jordan, thank you enough. We can't we can't thank you enough for joining us. Thanks for talking about Jordan. A little bit more. You keep thanking me. Just keep. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right. Now it's good. Now, okay. I feel better. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but that's going to wrap it up for this segment. I hope you guys enjoyed the two football segments. And yeah, we're just going to move on to the outro. One. And with that being said, that's going to wrap up episode 17th of the Mac Bandwagon podcast. We ran through a, I would say, pretty generous general news and Twitter question segment. We broke down our own general Mac West preview, and then we had the Three interviews, the Ohio football preview and the Ball State football preview, not to mention and Brian Wolf interview. Shout out to shout out to all three of them. Yeah, Zach, uh, what are your final thoughts from this episode? No, I just I thought this was uh, great. I really enjoyed talking with, with JL about Ohio and with, with Jordan about Ball State. And then it was great to talk uh, to Brian about something a little bit different than football. You know, we've been doing so much football preview coverage lately that it was nice to switch it up and learn about something. Uh, more about you know r- the running of an athletic department so it was it was really cool three awesome conversations that I really enjoyed yeah no doubt and like I, I thought it was interesting because a lot of the times we've got athletes on here I think it's just a different perspective that we don't see and, and you can really tell when someone's really 
not directly involved like an athlete, the passion that they have for the sport. I think that's what made Brian's Wolf's interview so in like fun. Like he talked about the UB Arizona thing, like how yep. like it was just so fun for him. And it's just like that that's 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 what we love about the sports. That's what like me and you, Zach, I think that it, it's just like so much just to sit back and like rep our school, if that makes sense. Oh, for sure, man. I agree. Yeah. And it was, uh, yeah, it's always cool to get a different perspective and, and learn about something different. And, you know, he has, he's had a really cool path to get where he is in the, in the Buffalo athletic department now. And, um, yeah, it was just a really interesting conversation. I, I, I love hearing stuff like that and, and, and learning from, uh, from people like that. No doubt. And yeah, but I think that's going to wrap it up for episode 17 of the mid American bandwagon podcast. As usual, you can follow us at Mac underscore bandwagon. We just hit 300 Twitter followers, so we're slowly increasing the bandwagon. Again, you can always join us. Our bandwagon's always open. Maybe other NFL <laughs> teams aren't, so you can hop on ours. We'll, 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 we'll gladly take you in. That's it. We, I love it. You're exactly right, Sam. Band, the door is always open on the Mac bandwagon. No doubt. But, yeah, I, I hope you have a great rest of your week, and – when we do our when we record our next episode, first week of action, baby. We'll talk to you guys uh, next week. Hope you all have a great rest of your week.